Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. Home Depot uh, in Kansas had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, suck it nice and slow. A <laughs> couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Dude, now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. Yeah, he had the right idea. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Oh shit, Blah. guess what today is? Uh, your butt, dude. It's the eve of WrestleMania 35, cool. it's also Saturday, April 6th, yes, this episode April 6th. 47. <laughs> 47 of You Watch I Listen. We're going to switch back, you're going to do... The, Shots for likes. Yeah, we're going to uh, get our plugs on the way. We've got a busy day ahead of us. Uh, potentially two calls coming in. Yeah. Um, maybe none because we're not very professional and we're fucking massive pieces of shit. Uh, so we're going to do our plugs first. Uh, first off, um, let's get, say hi to our friends at Lobo Sound. Taylor, are you thinking about advertising? Yes, I am. You should call Lobo Sound. Do you need a website? I always need a website. Call Lobo Sound. Hell yeah. And the reason you should is because Lobo Sound's world-renowned commercial production and website construction in English, Spanish, and Polish made Lobo Sound a fixture in Chicago radio and digital advertising communities. But Lobo Sound is not limited to Chicago, Alaska, Atlanta, Toronto, Toledo, Hawaii, New Jersey, New York, Montecito. Wherever you are, Lobo Sound has your back. Lobo Sound helps you reach your target market effectively and affordably. Reach who you want, when you want, on all devices and applications at a fair, affordable prices. Vince is going to hook you up. Go check out LoboSound.com. Call them at 630-244-9704. That's 630-244-9704. Go to www.LoboSound.com. What was that? That is www. Dot LoboSound.com. Oh, okay. And if you mention you watch I listen, you will get a 10% discount. Again, that's www.lobosound.com and 630-244. Well, the number's different on the bottom one. He there's a typo. 9704. Again, 
forward. Local now, sound. now, coming from our boys over at the Hashtag Shots for Likes podcast. If you like to relax, crack yourself a beer, and use some medical marijuana or violently abuse hard liquor, you are missing out on your new favorite podcast. From drunken video games, oh, excuse me, from drunken, drunken stories. video games? Well, that, that happens Someone too. created a video game while drunk. <laughs> from drunken stories to video games to sports. Fudge and Finn are going to blow your fucking mind hole with the Hashtag Shots for Likes podcast. Chances are you may have fast-forwarded through our recent streams and ads on other podcasts or streams you may enjoy, but we aren't going anywhere. May as well head to iTunes, YouTube, Google Play Music, tune in, Spotify, our Heart Radio, or Stitcher to immediately subscribe and join in on the drunken fun. We promise that if Your you are listening to us, enough. yeah, I know, while drinking, it is not considered drinking alone. Visit shotsforlikespodcast.com to choose your favorite listening platform and follow them on all forms of social media. Drink with us and don't be cunts. Absolutely. There we go. I figured it out. You know, so last night. Yeah, you're not wrong. Last night, Taylor, I'm hanging out with my buddy, uh, Pat Larson, who uh-huh. we met before. I'm sorry. And we're playing some dumb card drinking game, and it was uh, everyone vote on who's the biggest asshole in the room that person drinks. And everyone pointed to Pat, and he's like, "Wait a minute! Wasn't that his I'm idea? a bigger asshole than this motherfucker." So he goes, <laughs> he "Point at you." Yeah. He, so he goes and does a Facebook poll to see who's the bigger asshole, and I want to okay. see what the update is now. So yeah, then I, I said, "I said it's fair that if I posted as well, because obviously the people who don't know me are likely going to vote for you." Okay. So we'll see. So as of ten twelve a.m. on uh, Saturday, April sixth. On Pat's Facebook, with 23 votes, I, he, I'm he's beating me by 70 to 30. Um, the the vote total is uh, 16 votes for him and seven for me. Hmm. Uh, mine, I'm so happy about this. Okay. Uh, mine, I'm winning 59 percent to 41 percent with 29 votes, and there are. I have more, way more friends on Facebook than him. There's 17 votes for me and 12 for him. So overall, he's in a commanding lead. Okay. So this is one of the times I'm very proud to say I'm not the biggest asshole in the room. That's, that's it doesn't happen opinion. very often. That, that's your opinion. But Taylor, how was your week? Busy. Busy? Fuck, fucked up week. Yeah, it was. Um, we had a good time on Thursday at the game. Yeah, just, um, uh, despite, despite the my, loss, but it was a killer despite time. Despite my wife passing. Um, <laughs> everyone was, told everyone. Yo, everyone was like, what the fuck? A bunch of people like stopped in their tracks, their faces. Like, we're standing there, and he literally just, like, we're having a normal conversation. He just says it loudly, like, my wife died or whatever. And I just see from over his shoulder, this dude just stops and, like, does a double take <laughs> and looks at him like, what the fuck? So, so Josh, how was your week? Okay. Just okay? Yeah, just okay. You should move your mic closer. So it's not just okay. No, <laughs> there you go. Everything's fine. How was your week? It was okay. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> what do you have, What do you have planned this weekend? Uh, I'm gonna watch WrestleMania on TV where it's not raining. <laughs> it's not supposed to rain anymore tomorrow. Oh, yeah, well, it's fuck not. you. I hope it does anyway. <laughs> I would too if it was just you going. Did any? Of you... <laughs> That's me screaming last week. <laughs> I love it. Oh, fucking ass, bitch, whore. Well. <laughs> that's that's accurate. That's uh, my week was that. my week was all right. Um, like I said, we had fun at the game. Uh, got way more drunk than I was expecting to because the beer was included. Yeah. So why wouldn't I drink it? Oh, dude, it was great. Um, we are having a better week than one Nipsey Hustle. I knew it. <laughs> he goes to me the other day. He's like, I maybe st- you should. This is still the first time I've ever heard of that. I guy. know. That's what I said. And people are like, you're being an asshole. I'm like, I don't know who he is. Like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think you're intentionally being an asshole. Comes off that way. But you're right. I mean, the first time I ever. Heard, but I, I did something like. He, wait, he wait, wait, wait. Dude. You haven't heard of him either? No. no. All right, that's how I know he's fucking he, relevant. Yeah, and, and I see all these people posting men. I always liked him. Did you? Yeah. Well, I've seen you post more about fucking NSYNC in the last listen, 10 years. Listen, I'm sure that a lot of the you know celebrities posting about it are people that actually knew yeah, him, sure, people that worked sure. with him. But there's so many people that I've seen that live around here in our fucking boondocks, middle of the mountain, white West Mumford. 
that are like, oh, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. Like, what the fuck is a Nipsey Hustle? Yeah. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> but at first, I was like, you guys spelt hustle wrong. <laughs> I'll say, to be, like, I, I never heard of him, but I did do a lot of, I did like a lot of research on him. Like after he did pass away, you know, it was he did sad pass what, away, but through his murder. But I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely is sad what happened. It, he's okay, it's just not my type of thing. But he, he was very talented. He had a wife. He has two daughters. Like that's the part that bums me out. But it definitely does but stink. The thing that's annoying is no, all these people, people that are doing the fake well, shit. Like well, I love the conspiracy theory. No, the conspiracy theories are. Oh, he was working on a documentary about this guy that has a cure for cancer and AIDS. No, he wasn't. <laughs> and no one has that, besides no. maybe the government that just won't release it. He was making a documentary about gang violence because he was involved in gang shit. Like, how do rap fans, and I like rap, not realize that this is unfortunately ingrained in the culture, the DNA of the hip-hop community? For the most part. How many rappers have to get killed before people say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be talking about shooting each other all the time? Yeah. No, and if people want to say I'm being fucking racist, fuck you, I'm not. It's 100% true. No, you're, you're more, it, more or less making an observation. It's, it's the same That's thing it. like when John Oliver did this whole fucking segment about wrestlers dying young and shit, no one said, oh, he's being prejudiced against uh, pro wrestlers and their fans. No, it's an observation about something that happens in the community. And to the participants. How many rappers a year are getting killed in senseless bullshit over a squabble on who smudged someone's fucking puma? Like, yeah, get the right. fuck out of here. Nah, I mean, like, the same shit happened with, uh, I was gonna not say Takashi. What was the other guy? XX Tentacoin. Tentacion. Wait, how does it say? I never knew how it was said. Another guy I never heard of until he died. XXX Tentacion. It says Tentacon. No, it's very, uh, it's very Spanish. Tentacion. Wait, he was a Latin hip hop artist? Yes. He was more so Spanish. Never heard any of his music. I don't know. I've heard it through the grapevine, and it's just not great. That's another song. I heard it through the grapevine. Yeah, but, like, that's more. Marvin Gaye, that's amazing. Yeah, how'd it go for him? Gang yeah. violence. Well, no, didn't his dad kill him? Step dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, but the whole point is that family's like, a listen, gang, isn't it? it? <laughs> well, um, it definitely does stink. You know, it, it's not. It is. It can be funny. I guess you could say when when put in the in the correct content. I guess it's just it stinks. Is what it is. Well, you no, know what I mean? I mean? It's sad, especially if the guy yes. was one of these people that was like cleaning up his life. But again, you know, when you make twenty songs about oh, I'm gonna shoot this guy, I'm gonna stab this guy, smack this hoe, whatever, and then it's it happens in real life. Who the fuck is shocked? No, like, I, I know, but because it's not it's not a new narrative. It's been happening since I, I mean, saw it's that. Been I guess he, he got shot the like the one time he wasn't out of the studio or his house with the, without his bodyguard. Right. The one time he was out of his bodyguard, and they caught the guy who did it already. Yeah. It was like Eric Holder. I'm like, isn't that one of the FBI guys that was tied up in the whole fucking Russia thing? Yeah, that's. Like, what I, I was like, too, yeah. damn, he's deep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is some PizzaGate shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's fucking. Stupid. All right, are we gonna do it? <laughs> do it. It's like Shia LaBeouf. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so let's uh, do our reviews because we got a bunch of stuff today. Um, I actually didn't write a ton of stories. I have a few, so we'll go with that. Mm -hmm. Um, again, we have some calls coming in later. Hopefully, I got to keep my phone out to take a look. Um, so why don't you go first? Because I went first last week. All right. So you gave me eighth grade. Eighth grade, directed by Bo Burnham, his directorial debut. Now, I this movie was just awkward from start to finish it's to but be. it's supposed to, would you let me finish no <laughs> but it's supposed to be it very much feels like it like the entire movie felt like entire Bo Burnham bit yeah which, you know what I mean which is like that's he, kind of his like it. 
it's kind of his shtick where it's like he like he'll have a one liner that's just awkward and then like it's like weird pause you think like you try to think of it oh now it makes sense now it's funny well he makes these observations about the most mundane things and he puts the awkward spin on it and I think the thing the movie did is it it, like you said it's uncomfortable it captured the angst of adolescence well perfectly it it did that and especially in in today's culture like I, I can't I can't really fathom what growing up in today's climate would be. Being, like being plugged in 24-7. Like, literally just uh, wake up, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube Facebook, live. YouTube Live. Everything her is available poor, to you. fucking YouTube videos got no likes. None. And that, I like, felt sad for her. And, like, I, I very much uh, I very much understand, like, where that's coming from. And I got a lot of, like, uh, like flashback from, like, when I was in eighth grade going into my freshman year yeah. where it was, like, Oh shit! Like you know, I feel like not not feeling comfortable. Thirteen in years your own, old and two hundred and fifty pounds ago. Not feeling like comfortable in your own skin. No, no, absolutely. Like, it's it's, a, it's it's very relatable movie to everyone because everyone has felt that at some point. In absolutely. Their life, no matter how old the you girl are. Elsie Fisher was she's, fantastic. She was really good. I, I never I heard of her and she's awesome. I'll tell you what, dude. Like there were a couple times in this movie where I legitimately found myself pissed off. Like when she's in the backseat of the car with the guy. Oh, the high schooler's trying that to hook up with her. Fucking pissed me off, dude. And what it, fucking what's, scumbag and, but that it, was. The thing was like. But it's also so, the truth. I know, bro. like, it's like, I was a high schooler. I know how this shit goes. I was uh-huh. like, wow, but, like, that's a, he's a senior, and she's in, eight, Dude, in eighth grade. Like, see, seeing it, like, like, like hearing about it when you're in high school was one thing, but, like, seeing it go down, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, granted, like, and I was never a part of any, any weird shit like that, but it was more like watching it, like, from... Like, like from as a viewer perspective, like, yeah. as if nothing's happened, like, sure. they don't know you're there, is... It, it, that that's dark. Yeah, dude. that's well, really dark. It was dark, but the thing I liked that it didn't do is it didn't go the full. Yeah, length. right. It, it stopped that. It got to the red zone and it stalled out and kicked the field goal, uh-huh. but it missed. <laughs> so, I like that. That's so a good analogy. That, that's actually. pretty much what it was. <laughs> like it, it's um it, because we were actually having a discussion last night about some um, stuff that came out recently about things that went on in our high school when we mm-hmm. were young, and we were talking about it. And one of the things that was said was. I can't imagine, like, 14-year-olds can't make proper decisions. No. Like, and neither can 16, 17-year-olds. They're not thinking about consequences. They're looking one step ahead, not three, four, five, six, seven ahead. Right. And the the ramifications. And I thought eighth grade did a very good job of capturing that. Mm-hmm. I thought the dynamic with her father was really good, who was fantastic. I thought oh, he the was be- good. my favorite scene in the movie is when they're at the fire at together. The end, yeah, it's I thought a nice that moment. was uh, a very poignant moment yeah. and it kept it grounded. I thought the movie stayed in its lane very, very well. Yep. It didn't veer off into these wild tangents and go for that cheap what, thrill. It, it, it very much could have done that. Very, like, very and, easily. And, and it still would have worked, but yeah. I'm I'm happy it didn't you know it, it's very much it stayed it stayed the course and I it stayed the, the, on point. the music was Stay great target. The, the music was great when she saw the kid that she had a crush on and then the fucking music <laughs> would start playing and she sneaks over to his class yeah, it, right. it, when they're doing their active shooter drill right which the, that that blew my mind too the guy's walking down with a fake like M16 yeah, active and I'm like did, Jesus did you Christ, notice where it was filmed when they were at the mall yeah it was right. fucking it was palisades. palisades yeah, yeah I, I knew I saw that somewhere yeah, I was, it was like palisades. but like I said so it, it's it's a it's a fantastic movie I think it's a great uh, director uh, director debut. Great for coming Bob of Burnham. age story. Like I said, I'm very hit or miss with those because a lot of times they fall into the trap of just being too b- basic. Right. Where it's like they they don't want to take the full risk, so they almost take none. So yeah, exactly. So the thing is with uh, coming of age stories, you could usually um, you know compare it to another one or an earlier one. Like when I like when I saw it, the first thing I thought was Stand by Me. Yeah. That's what I thought of. With this <laughs> Stand one, Stand by Me and Stranger Things is what I was thinking of. I yeah. can't really pinpoint what to compare this to. Um, I think it stands alone. The only to ones be I can think of. Recently 
recently, the the most popular coming of age story recently that got critical acclaim, I did was, not like, what, was Lady, Lady Bird, Bird which I, there, I didn't see. There was another one that came out like two years ago with uh, Haley Steinfeld, who was mm. uh, the girl in True Grit, okay. the remake, yeah, uh, called. Um, Edge of Seventeen. Okay, and that was really good. I, okay. I and uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower was another coming of age, but that was darker. That was much Very more of dark, that yeah. was more like uh, Lord of the Flies, fantastic kind of thing. Yeah, too. I love that. So, what would you give it? Eighth grade. I would. I would give eighth grade. Eighth grade give, gets an eight. An eight. That's fair. Eighth grade eight gets an eight because it's a fantastic movie. You know what I mean? And a movie really does its job when it makes you feel real emotions. It pissed me off. I, I was so. It made me feel very awkward. Like when when she's at the pool party. Yeah. And she and she walks through and it's like fuck. But she met like, that guy that she ended. It was like cute how they were talking and they're both into Rick and Morty and shit. Like yeah. It was it was so perfect cap- capturing the fact that you may not fit in with everyone else, but there is a circle for everyone. And there's there's the ability to connect with anyone in any situation. If you just look for the right person, yeah, and the then, person that you're looking at may not be the right one, right. but the person that is right behind them that you can't yeah. see may be the right one. Well, the the, the other the my probably my favorite part of the whole movie it was the the, the realest moment. I, the whole movie is 100 percent real, is what I'm trying to say. But when after the whole uh, the whole hookup thing happens and she posts her last video on YouTube yeah. and she's like, you know, I'm not really the best person to give advice because you know I I have a lot of shit that yeah, I got yeah. going on. That's that is such a that is such a great moment and a real moment that a lot of people, even as they're older in life, we don't, don't get that half the with. time. Correct. You know what yeah. I mean? I, so I'm one of them. Sure. It's you. I think everyone in this room has had that same <laughs> had that same feeling. Absolutely. So I, I very much I enjoyed this movie. I, I just saw a turkey run through my backyard. Fuck that thing. <laughs> I very much wish I bought it, and I should have, because when I went to go rent it on iTunes, it was four ninety nine. It's like, are you sure? It's only $3 more to buy. And I'm like, eh. It's fine. I want to rent it first. I wish I went the extra three. Well, they let you rent it for, what, 30 days? Then you should have, no. like, three. No, it's two days. No, yeah, 48 hours. There's yeah. some on iTunes I've rented where it's like you have 30 days no, to watch this. No, no, no. It, it, it's a glitch. It's happened to me before. Where it says oh, you, really? You, you have 30 days, and then uh, I go back and then it's like, later, you have like, it's like you got to buy it again, jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim Apple. But it's ab- it's absolutely fantastic. Eight out of ten. Eighth grade was awesome. Awesome, man. I fit. I guess plus, the I'm. Doesn't fall far. Oh shit! I hit the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> it works with a, though. Started with a T. But also, like I said, being a massive fan of Bo Burnham, it's you can see yeah, the parallels from his stand up and his one man show to the movie. To the like you said, the crash and burn music. Um, I think. Watching that, I was like, yo, this guy could probably make a killer horror movie. He probably could, like, dude. When you look at it, like, because there were some parts he's of the so movie. creative. Yeah, he, he has a, he, he's super, like, he's definitely got a lot of emotional well, issues. Oh, well, for sure. Well, and, uh, he, well he, most he, comedians he, do. He, he, took a, he took a break from stand-up for having, he was having issues mentally. And actually looking at it now, it's almost a love letter to his his younger self as a career. What created him now. Be- yeah, because that's a good point. Because he got his start on YouTube. I remember Correct. watching his, his song, New Math, on YouTube when he was like 16 years yep. old. When it's like, it's, it's crazy how people can get famous off YouTube, man. It's nuts. It's, it's uh, for doing you, nothing. Yo, YouTube celebrities, they ha- they have a whole award show Dude, now. YouTube celebrities, Instagram. I'm gonna become an Instagram well, model. There's a kid on YouTube. He's like, maybe nine years old. Mm. He makes toy review videos. Smart, very smart. And he makes. I think I heard about this kid. He, he makes like fucking three three mil a year. Yeah. He's uh, like good well, for no. him. His parents make three mil a year. Yeah. yeah, but still, I mean, he's uh, yeah. Hopefully, they're not robbing him like Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> parents. Listen, that's what that's the thing that scares me with these with kids and this, this YouTube stardom is that a lot of these parents are seeing more money come in from their child than they'll ever see <laughs> than they ever made in their lifetime. It's just a new way of being the child star, though. It's, right. It's been yeah. going but, on but, forever. It, it, How many a, of those child stars end up fucked up? Right. But it's not also a new narrative where a family will 
take advantage of of one of the one family Correct. member that's very successful. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's, how many how many ch- ch- child stars have like parlayed that into being adult stars as well? It's like a I'm trying to a think handful. a handful. Um, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst is one. Uh, uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Uh, who he's kind of irrelevant right now for the most part. I mean the last I don't I, see him in anything. The last anymore. thing I saw him in, I mean he was in that movie Green Street Hooligans that was okay. and he was on the show with the the dog. Oh dude, uh, that was a funny ass show. That was really great. I, I forgot the name. Willa. Willa. Fuck. I forgot the name of it. It's, yeah, a, it's irrelevant. But it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you see way more child. Uh, Hallie Steinfeld, I guess, was a child star. Mm-hmm. She got nominated for an Oscar in her first movie in True Grit, and yeah. now she's a music star as well. Good for her. Zach Efron? That, yeah. He has to I be guess considered he, a child he, star. He was a fucking. Keenan Thompson, he's doing great yeah, with dude, SNL and shit. Dude, Zach, Ef- Zach Efron was fucking that massive. Ted with Bundy, those, with, that with those Ted Bundy high school movies. musical movies. I didn't watch out, any of those. Huge. But I, you know, movies I saw with him that I didn't think I was going to like at all, and then I ended up liking it was Neighbors? No, well, I like Neighbors. 17 again. That was actually a really good movie. That's with, that's what the, the, ch- the chick from True Grit you just said. No. What? Yeah, Haley. Whatever. Her She's name not is. in Seventeen again. I could have sworn you just said that. No, Edge of Seventeen. Edge of Seventeen. Me, sorry. Seventeen sorry. again. John Cusack is the star, and then uh. he go- goes. He gets caught into like some loop that makes him go into his teenage self. Okay. And gets to relive like his youth, but with his kids, pretty much. Oh, okay. Um, it was. I was surprised at so how much like, I liked it. So it's like Big or not? Yeah, it is kind of like Big. Yeah. It's like a modern telling of Big. Not bad though. You know, um, you know, you know. Speaking of Big, why is Big three hours? You don't need three hours of Big because it's awesome and it's big, so great. Big but, like, rules. It's long, dude. I love Big, directed by the. The late great Penny Marshall. All right, let's review this album. Uh, White Chapels, The Valley came out last week. Not my thing. Okay. Um. So it's fine. There, it, there's. I. I think I'm at the point now where it's that guttural, guttural screaming. Uh, yeah. That does nothing for me anymore. Okay. I can't connect with that because it, it, there's certain parts in the songs where he sings, and I'm like, this is fine. But then it goes back to. And I, I'm when like, did, I when feel did, like when this did this guy Ra- turn into fucking Kermit the Frog? No, it's Ralph. <laughs> it's, it's Ralph singing. <laughs> but the music itself is great. the The album itself, though, it's just there was no point even with the music where I was like, I get what they're going for with the music. It yeah. sounded like they were like, this is the kind of band we are. What's the most basic sound we can go with? Yeah. Here we go. The breakdown's in the same spot on most songs. Um, and again, it's just that there's certain types of screaming I like, but yeah. I have to be, a, I don't like when it's really deep and hollow like well, that. The, the, you know what I mean? This is all, this is more deathcore than it yeah, is like yeah. metal. And you know what I mean? Because it's got more blast beats in the quicker. Maybe in eighth, ninth grade, I heard this, I'd be like, oh, this is cool. But as a 30-year-old, I'm like... Get me loot, Lady Gaga. I'd rather listen. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not trying to insult to Lady Gaga or them either. I'd rather, but in a lot of cases, I'd probably rather would. Mm, that's fine. And, um, so the 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 first, I, honestly, I didn't give any song less than a two okay. because that's I appreciated fun. the music to an extent. Yeah. But when I'm giving you a two out of five, it's just kind of like. Okay. You're there. Yeah. Like, right, hey, right, right. you get your damn hands off her. <laughs> like, 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 that's kind of where I'm at with this. Um, it, it's, it's. I feel bad because like you just gave a really good review of eighth grade, and this album had such a disconnect for me. Like, it actually just always missed the mark. And it's like when you go to plug something in the electrical socket, and you kind of miss, and you bend it, and now it oh, won't yeah. plug in. That was this album for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the analogy I come up with for I it. I guess, dude. But um, no, I understand. Listen, deathcore is definitely not for everyone. Neither is metal for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, correct. So I totally understand. And like, it took me a while to really get into Whitechapel, but this album, like, they've been just basic deathcore. So like that basic, like that guttural scream for the longest time. That's just been them forever. Yeah. And then they stick to their guns. The, yeah. The, their last two records, they've incorporated more of the softer stuff. Sure. Yeah. But, I, like, I could see that here. But following th- them as long as I have in the Valley, I think is probably one of their best records. Just because because like they finally started maturing as a band, yeah, you know what I mean, and and like if you 
just because from the one record, it's hard to get that. Yeah, yeah, so I can I under, see that. So I totally understand where like, you're coming this from. This may not be the best album to introduce someone hearing the band for the yeah, first for time. Yeah, for sure. I would tell you to listen to the if, first Because I guess but. what I was reading about the album online is that a lot of fans aren't happy with it. I, I, um, don't, I don't see why. It's, it's the same thing with like... Cause it, Whitechapel is keeping their sound. It's not like Bring Me the Horizon that turned into a pop band. That I can that that, that one is weird to me, man. That one I understand. I, more. I only ever heard Bring Me the Horizon from you guys, and I was like, oh, these guys are heavy. And then everyone's like, oh, they went really like poppy and soft. And I listened to it. I was like, oh yeah, this is Dude, fucking dog shit, bro. It's completely different. I, it's so ridiculous. I mean, well, but. it's. It, I listen. I don't fault bands when they're like, "Hey, we're gonna make a lot more money and get a lot more commercial play." I don't blame them either, because you get you have to get to a point where they were very popular and they did really well. But you know, you're talking the difference between each member making two million a year to ten million a year to ten million a year. Yep. At that point, I'll fucking play the skin flute on stage. Wow. Like my dad always said to me, being a musician, he's like, "Honestly, I don't care what the kind of music is. If they're telling me they're gonna pay me, I'll play whatever." My dad hated country music, and the band one of the bands he made the most money in was a country band. He's well, like, yeah. "I like playing music. If well, I'm gonna make money." I'll play. Here, let, let me give you. So when I was down in Florida, I was like really playing drums. I played drums every single day. Like I was practicing with other musicians that uh, that uh, uh, my friend's father introduced me to down there. Is down it just there, random street musicians. No, no, no. Like, hey, it you're was homeless and no, have a guitar. Let's go, sir. No, no, no. It was more or less like it was like a lo- little local scene down there. But they're all older guys. Sure. You know what I mean. So I remember we were uh, we were we were jamming one night, and uh, he's like, "Oh, you want to be a musician?" I go, "I don't really know. It's more or less like a passion." And he goes, "Well, listen. Here's the difference between uh, uh, a." pizza and a musician a pizza will fail will feed a family of four and a musician for the most part will not and yeah, it, and, no, and, that, and that kind of like put it in perspective unless you have to be like a studio, a studio musician will make money because then they're just there to record which right. is what I did I did that for a little while where right. I was like can you come fill in and I play bass for someone and I'm playing I go from playing rock to Christian contemporary yeah. where it's just like God bump bump is well, an awesome God bump bump. I can only, it's, it's like the most basic bass line you could probably yeah. come bump, up with, right? You just bump, you just chilling on the E string. Bump, bump. Bum, I would say, bum, bum, and I, if it's the bass, your father's bass was probably the coolest one because you didn't. Oh, have, the it, Steinbrenner! It, it didn't have a headstock when you tuned well, it down see, here. Well, what's crazy is those Steinbrenners. They made most of the Steinbrenners. If you look at them, they actually don't even have a body. It's just a neck, and it goes straight down, and it's right there. He, yeah, right. He, I have the full body that's, Steinbrenner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's awesome. That's really And they cool got a great one. sound. Um, there's certain bases I don't like the sound on. Like one of the most popular bases, like the uh, people like getting is a Rickenbacker. I yeah. hate a Rickenbacker. I hate the sound on it. I know it was big part of my favorite Beatles era. But I hate the sound on it. Uh, a Rickenbacker guitar, as opposed to a bass, are, are, are much better. Yes. Like, like a, yeah. tw- a twelve-string Rickenbacker is. Like, t- is I love is the sound of a Les Paul, but yeah. I hate playing a Les Paul because they're fucking heavy. Very heavy. Their bodies on them are so fucking heavy. So, uh, so uh, but, but, I, we, we should continue this. Yes, but, no. but please, please, please. So, what do you grade? I, the I have, I, be I have to day. give it. So I gave every song a two, but it's not fair for me to say it's a two because two implies that there's something I added to my playlist on this. I, I assume there was, and wasn't. I didn't. So it's like a one and so. a half. That's fine. Um, so it's like two, three weeks in a row where you gave me one that. After you had like three in a row, I was like, "Great, great, great!" And then it's like, "Nah." Eh. Oh. Now, like, like I'm really trying to like dig and try well, to find like my whole shit. goal. What I said when I started this, Ralph, was I want to see if I can pinpoint your mu- movie taste and find something that I know is like up your alley. Lane, lane well, wise. I was gonna say I think you figured it out because we live together. So yeah, like, yeah, know? exactly. Well, I mean, speaking of, as far as like pinpointing it, like I, I watched like uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol the other night. So good. <laughs> All I, of them I, are. Dude, dude, I, I tweeted about it. I'm like, I'm surprised at how much I still love it. Yeah. Honestly, like how much. It, and then I watched Rogue Nation. Then I watched Fallout again. It just makes Fallout that much better. Hi, Matthew Spooner. You know what I mean? Because how good Ghost Protocol and Fall? Uh, no, no, no. Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation are. It makes Fallout that much better because yes. both of them are exquisite. Yeah. Basically, from Mission Impossible three on. 
they're all fantastic. Two is annoying, and one is just two is the worst one, and it's really not even bad. It's not it's bad. just compared to the other it's ones, annoying. it tries way too oh, hard shit. to be. Sup, Spooner? Dude, I just said Spooner's here. I, just, I, I know you couldn't see him over no. Josh because he's so short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that was white, this would be a much different uh, scenario. <laughs> 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 oh, dude, you uh, always have the best wrestling T-shirts. That Ricky the Dragon and Macho Man. Yes, it is. Oh, dude, that's fucking. I great. was watching WrestleMania 24 last night or 20, 25. Maybe my all-time favorite wrestler. I was watching honestly. 25 when it's Chris Jericho against uh, Jimmy. Snooker, Roddy Piper, and Steamboat, oh, yeah, and, awesome. and Ric Flair in the corner, and then Mickey Rourke takes ten minutes to get into the ring and punches Jericho. <laughs> it's the most awkward buildup ever. Jericho actually just did a bit of a shoot interview about that, and how yeah, he, 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 he thought him he off. was actually going to get his ass kicked because Mickey Rourke showed up with Frank Shamrock and <laughs> someone else. Like you see, Frank Shamrock sitting next to him. At one point, they were ready to like jump Jericho. Dude, do you remember we were watching the UFC one night? I forget because like every UFC, they're like, "Oh, it stars in the crowd," and like, "Oh, look, it's uh, it's Brock Lesnar," or "Look, it's uh, oh, Anthony Kiedis again." And then they're like Mickey Rourke and Mickey Rourke. We all looked at each other like, yo, that does not look like Mickey Rourke. Like, <laughs> yo, Mickey lo- Rourke looks awful. He looks awful. Dude, <laughs> this was like five years ago. We, I remember we all stopped like, oh, dude, all right, that's bad. Let's do our picks for this week. Okay, um, so, so you, actually you, I was minding, maybe if I can go first. Sure, that's what I was going to say anyway. Go so for, for this week's pick, um, it's going to be a joint pick between Josh and I. And we're going to do um, what, which we're going to do an EP, an EP each from the same band, and we're going to see which one you like better. Okay, I right? like it. So, What's the band first? The band is The Devil Wears Prada. Not the fucking movie, so shut it's up a good already. Movie. <laughs> I no, never, it's I actually, never, it's not. I never seen it, so I don't no, know. No, it's annoying. It's one of those ones that Mer- Meryl Streep is like, hey, Meryl Streep's in a movie. Here's an Oscar nomination. And she should. Mixed <laughs> martial arts are not the arts. Yeah. Shut up. Um, you know what you're talking about. You just saw it on All a right, fucking so, thing. So, what are the EPs? What's your okay, EP first? So, my EP is from 2010. It's arguably one of the most legendary EPs in our scene. It's the Devil Wear Prada's The Zombie EP. I've played it for you before, but years ago. And I definitely know for a fact you do not not remember no, so there's a zero percent chance I, I, I remember right so this is arguably one of my favorite release from them it came out in 2010 so this is prime devil wars prada okay so that's that's what i wanted to give you and then josh all right josh uh, so i'm going to give you their ep from 2015 the space ep now i didn't listen to the devil wars prada before this and then uh troy actually turned me on to it he goes listen to this Troy turned probably- you on yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he goes, you should listen to this. Uh, I think that it's something that you'd be into. It's kind of a concept. You knew I was into okay. concept albums. You come listen to it. Yeah, Spooner, sit down. Stop being I, weird it, over there. It blew me away with how good it was. Cool. I didn't think that they were the kind of band that I would really get into. Okay. Now, now, see, here's the other thing, too, is because with both of those EPs, a lot of people will argue that Zombie and Space, blah, 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 they're both absolutely fantastic, and people who shit on the Space EP are fucking idiots. Whether or, when, I'm, yeah, that's, I'm saying, whether or not you like it or not is one thing. I'm saying like the overall, like the like in the court of public opinion, people don't like space and they're fucking morons. Is it like just different? What like sound very wise? different? Yeah. Okay. Very different. But see, I think there's a time in bands when they can sound different. And still be good. Well, like, it's, it's, it's they, they evolve a, like the tiniest bit. Well, it's, you got to evolve. It's I don't want to hear the same album right. from 10 years ago well, now. It, it's also a five-year difference. So th- it's not the same band. You know what I mean? It's just, it's How can people expect bands to different. stay the same for 15, 20 years? It's yeah. fucking right. ignorant. No, that's, I, that's stupid. I very much agree. Okay, cool. So I'm glad to give you that. Uh, movie I'm giving you. Um, this is one that came out back in 2014, I want to say. Okay. Um, it's uh, I really like this movie. It got all kinds of critical acclaim. It's directed by Richard Linklater, who did... Um, uh, Dazed and Confused. Uh, he he's uh, done the Before Sunrise, After Sunset kind of movies. Uh, it's called Boyhood. Um, and Boyhood, uh, one of the most interestingly filmed movies ever, as he filmed it over ten years using the same cast. So it starts out with this kid when he's young, and you're just seeing him kind of. It is, a, I guess, it is a coming of age story, but it's a long, it's a long burn. It's I like remember a, you it were is a long me about movie. This. It's like three hours. Ethan Hawke is his father in it. Fantastic. Patricia Arquette plays his mother. She won Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars for this. Oh wow! So she's fantastic. Cool. 
And to see a kid uh, being raised by a single mother with his sister, uh, getting moved around, different boyfriends coming in. Uh, I thought it did a great job of capturing. Uh, the thing that was really cool, actually, is the, since they started filming 10 years ago, is they're referencing things that were popular 10 years ago. Right. And then you're seeing them like kind of grow up, whether they're playing Pokemon and doing shit like that. Like his dad takes him to an Astros game and Roger Clemens is on the team. Like, so I think the idea of filming a movie over 10 years, because we've seen movies where it's supposed to encompass 10, 15 years and it's different actors. Like you look nothing like that. You were <laughs> black when the movie started and now you're white. Like that kind of stuff. The fact that they use the same kids and you see them grow up starting out in like middle school all the way to graduating high school and how he's, you know, trying to distance himself from his parents. He starts partying first girlfriend, last girlfriend kind of thing. Um, I remember when this this was coming out, like you were super stoked. I I was stoked for it. It really lived up to my expectations. Um, I'm excited to watch it again myself as well, because it's been quite a while since I watched it. Um, I think it's a really well done movie. I think it's another one that stays in its lane very well. If you sit there and watch it, there's a lot of things that you're going to be like I'm glad they went that way right. kind of like 8th grade very yeah. similar because it is a coming of age story cool. but the when you see what I'm talking about with the 10 year thing I think it captures you into the movie even more it pulls yeah. you in so my pick for the week is Richard Linklater's Boyhood very much Excited for that, and Spooner's got the Macho Man glasses on already, yes. so you're ready to go. Yeah, you know, I'm wearing my- the microphone, um, at least? Yeah, you can come to the microphone. You just yeah. can sit here and you talk. Might, you we're, might as well just sit here and I mean, we're not doing us. the WrestleMania stuff for a bit, but you might as well, if you want to say something, or if yeah, we want to, if you want to make dude. fun of you so we can say something. You always do. Yeah, I mean- You are the best at it. I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional. Yeah, it's on. Sugar-free Red Bull, yeah, dude. Just, I don't know how you do it. I'm being honest. Like, the sugar-free Red Bull shit. Like, I'd rather not drink Red Bull. And I already had a coffee this morning, too wrestling shirt with a, ca- a case of sugar-free Red Bull. No, now that you say that, I can't remember a time where I, I, like, I've seen you or hung out with you and you didn't at least have one of them on you. No, it's, that's actually very true. But I, I don't know I can't, the last I can't think of a time. I honestly can't. Yeah, Some no. type of actually, I, the only time I can is when we were in Dallas and that's because we couldn't find any. <laughs> <laughs> and we, went to, we went to the gas station next to the hotel and I, they had the extra caffeine coffee. Dude, I just remember walking, like, that was Josh's bachelor party. We were walking down to the fucking, uh, the gas station they have the, the tub of tall boys that they would lock at like 11 o'clock so you couldn't buy them anymore <laughs> and then I would walk in I'd get a Gatorade a corn dog and a pack of cigarettes and yeah, this like, motherfucker's eating a corn dog and a cigarette for breakfast from a gas, a gas station yeah, no, corn I, dog I, I didn't smoke the cigarette I ate it yeah <laughs> dude I'm like where's Taylor he's like he's at the bar behind the hotel I'm like oh cause he could smoke inside I was smoking in the bar just smoke. throwing down Miller lights like, yeah. he had to go there to smoke he became a regular yeah. in three days <laughs> yeah he became, he became Cliff on Cheers in three days what was uh Wait, what was the name of that bar? New Solutions? Yeah, that was yes. <laughs> that wow. fucking place do you remember was why, awesome. Do you remember why it was called New Solutions? Why? Because it was originally called Solutions, and then it got torn apart by a fucking hurricane. Yeah, yeah. No, tornado. a tornado. 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 <laughs> Texas, Texas rarely, where we were in Texas, doesn't really get fucking hit by hurricanes. Tor- Houston, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, Name one. got torn apart by a fucking... Yeah. It Houston. was such a hole in the wall, dude. It was like it was like if it was Jigs was shittier. To- <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, it's shitty enough. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like Great, great Notch Inn. Okay. Great Notch Inn, it was closer yeah. to. Great but Notch Inn. But it had that great burger joint next to it. Yeah, it did have a good burger joint. Yo, Great Notch Inn, you're in and out. You're in and out in an hour. Because next thing you know, there's bikers everywhere. You're getting the shit kicked out of you. Get out. Yeah. One of Spooner and I's black friends one night was like, do you want to go to Great Notch Inn? I'm like, do you? Does he want to go to Great Notch Inn? 
that's it. No. If Kenyatta's been there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Survived. When Kenyatta said that to us, I'm like, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> dude, so I was just thinking about. I remember, I remember when Kenyatta showed up at, at Craig's house one time, and he didn't have enough. He had a, he had a 30 pack of Coors Light, but it wasn't all Coors Light. It was like <laughs> it was half drinking. Dude, it was, was like yeah. there were like wine coolers. <laughs> there was like a half empty bottle of vodka. And he goes, I gotta be most ish. <laughs> most that ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most, I was just thinking most so, ninja ish. I, I literally woke up like 10 minutes before we started recording. I, I set my alarm for nine and I just fucking like slept through it. And I see there's like Josh, like, I'm here. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, where are my sunglasses? And I'm like, I could fall asleep right now. But what I want to do is, in, uh, you guys never saw the movie Strange Wilderness. I know he has. Have, in yeah. the movie, Justin Long's character is like this huge stoner. And they're in a meeting and they're like trying to talk to him. Motherfucker got eyes tattooed on his eyelids. <laughs> He's just like this, and it's such the goof. That is one of the all-time great stoner movies, okay, Strange that, Wilderness. That, that sounds like something straight out of like like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, like that's some Spicoli. There's would some do. lines in it because the whole concept, just more ridiculous. The, the whole concept of the, of Strange Wilderness. Steve uh, Zane is in it. Um, who was one of the the roommates in Saving Silverman? Ah, uh, um, I always forget his name. Steve Zane, Zane I think it is, or Zahn. Zahn. Um, you would recognize if you saw him. There's a whole shitload of like famous people in it. Uh, Ted Denslow from Basketball yes. is in it. Um, the the main character. From Grandma's. Someone Lord. get this man a hot dog. Oh, yeah. There's a part in Strange World. So they're filming uh, nature documentaries, uh-huh. but they're all idiots and they're stoned. And they're yeah. like, there's a bear. They're showing like a grizzly bear in the wild. He, and they're giving facts like yeah. you would see on National Geographic. Bears get their name from a football team in Chicago. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's some lines in that movie that fucking will make you die laughing. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's a gr- one day we just need to get fucked up and watch it. I'm down. Because you'll shit your pants laughing. Well, that's like Ted Denzel. I saw an actual interview with him. And he, he died When he died He was like 90 something Yeah So he, he was 90 at the time And the lady's like Oh you know You look so great Like what do you do Like to stay fit And in shape and stuff He just leans over to her He goes I jerk off a lot <laughs> <laughs> Well then I'm gonna Age beautifully <laughs> No you're You're gonna age like milk dog So uh, a friend of ours Lost his job this week Did he? Um, Yeah Chuck Lace um, Is officially out of business Oh yeah um, the good AF, AAF what was that? A gong sound. Gong what? <laughs> was it the end of Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, the AAF is... Um, officially they, dissolved? They Well, they didn't officially dissolve yet, but they ceased all football operations. Uh, and this was a few weeks ago. They got financial backing from uh, Tom Doohan, I think his name is. Um, something like that. He gave him was 200, it $250 million, $250 right? million. And all the reason he did the money is because they wanted to invest it into in-game betting. Like, you could bet, uh, will they convert on 4th and 10, 3rd and 10. Got that passed. And he's like, yeah, I'm done. And I'm out of here. So all the the thing that's fucked up is all these players that are in the AF, AF they're like in the city they're supposed to play this week. They cease operations. They're like, all right, got to find your own flight home. They want to take their flights home. Anything. Jesus. Vince McMahon is so smart because he's like, ah, uh, we'll he's give try- laughing we'll, probably. No, not, he said we're going to give WWE tryouts to any players in the AAF. So which is smart. Like put yeah, them in developmental sense. if yeah. they're good enough athletes. I'm, um, I, I, I'm trying to find the thread, but I, I forget who who posted it. But he was like, like literally, the players were, were came back from the game of practice or whatever, and all their stuff was in the lobby with like a twenty five hundred dollar bill they had to pay. Yeah. Like and then what? they like and then like all right, yeah, you got to find your way home. Like now you have no job. And you ain't got shit to do. Yeah, that's literally what happened. Like, and, and then the Browns resigned Gary. You know, round trip tickets are usually cheaper than one way. <laughs> like, <laughs> buy a round this trip is the, obviously their business mod- modules. Freaking terrible. It, it's, it's, it's. I mean, it, it goes without saying that I think was it uh was it Dick Ebersol? With Charlie Ebersol ran this one. Well, Dick no, Ebersole I'm, I'm was saying father. was the XFL the first time yes, with Vince yes. McMahon. It was Dick, yes. yeah. So I'm. Um, it doesn't. It just because you know, he was head of NBC Sports. Right. So right. it just you know I, I I saw it going down the way. Well, it just doesn't make any well, sense to me cr- because like the games were 
not really that competitive, but they weren't terrible. And then like they the were fans were than, watching they were better than XFL quality football. Dude, fans for sure. were watching. Fans were in the stands. Like it just. But the problem was Richardson they, they, was going off. He was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, what, that tells you all, all you need to know what, about the quality. Seventy-five yards. Johnny Manziel was there. It was <laughs> comeback season. Yeah. Terrible, uh, yeah. Yo, imagine the thirty for thirty Johnny Manziel is going to have. Dude, in the last six months, gets kicked out of the CFL, barred for life. Goes to the AAF. Three weeks later, gone. Well, like. The thing that's the difference with what, what Vince is doing with the XFL is he unloaded, I think, like $300 million worth of WWE stock just to fund the XFL. Yeah. And that's more than enough to get them through two years of operation. Um, they're going to pay every player like a minimum salary. I think quarterbacks are going to make the most of like 100000 The rest are going to make like seventy five to 80000 I think it's staged yeah. depending it, on the position are, or is, is, are there any like incentives based in the contract or it's like that's your wage? I, I don't know because I, I, that could honestly be based on whatever TV deal they get. Because right. they're going to get a TV oh, absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I would guess just because WWE is with Fox that Fox will do it. Yeah, even if it's on like a B channel. Because Fox's or Fox sports, sports production is second to none. Yeah. Their sports production is yeah. the best. I would there think is. it would go to FS1 because FS. No, like, probably FS2. Well, I, I would think yeah. just because like they lost the UFC, the ESPN, or FX, so I would yeah. think they need something. Or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're well. The fact that the Fox is going to be doing so much with WWE. Just yesterday, Triple H announced that there's going to be a week, um, a weekly like regular WWE talk show on Fox Sports I saw One, that, yeah. which is really cool because they used to do that back in the day, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Who the hell's calling me from New York? I don't know. I'm not going to. Well, up, also, though. I heard. I don't know how true this is. Um, that uh, Actually, Fox is going to offer wait, them let another. Me pick this up. Hello, you are on the You Watch I Listen podcast. Who am I speaking with? Hello, my name is Michael Berlingame. Hey, Michael. Yes, from 350 days. I wasn't sure of the number, and I didn't remember the time I gave Mike Tomchak. So I'm glad I picked up. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I, you know, I'm glad I remembered to wake up this morning because I woke up like 10 minutes before we started recording this episode. So, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm, do I'm doing good. Am I speaking to Dan? Yes, this is Dan. I got Unfortunately. My, my co-host Taylor sitting next to me and uh, my engineer Josh and our friend Matt is sitting in with us. Um, I really appreciate you taking some time. I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Um, I just watched uh, your movie that you did the film editing on for 350 days this week. Um, so before we jump into any questions I may have, let me just say I, I truly, I really like like the movie a lot. Um, I'm a I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan. I've watched just about every documentary you could think of, and the biggest thing I could say about this movie compared to other wrestling documentaries is it didn't get uh, it didn't rely on the the darkness of the, that this industry can bring. It, it more showed the humanity of the wrestlers and what could possibly lead to those dark roads, and, but showed that these guys have real lives, families, and that the the life on the road isn't you know it isn't just fun and games. These guys are getting beat up. They're living in hotels. They're partying. But it, it pulled back the the layers of these you know flamboyant characters and showed the humanity in them. And you did a great job as the editor with showing the flashback videos, the pictures, the music that was uh, used, and it absolutely captured the essence of what the the story the movie was trying to tell. And uh, are you are were you a wrestling fan growing up? Well. You know, uh, the way I got the gig, because I didn't know the producers or the director, you know, they, they, I was um, uh, by them, and uh, they were all like, uh, you know, I had a meeting with them, and they were sort of like, you know, they knew my what, what I had done, you know, uh, and we talked about that in more detail, you know, my history, which was more in music, as far as uh, filmmaking goes, yeah. and um but anyway, once they were uh, felt that they were, they were they were satisfied, you know, that I was qualified, they got around to the key question, 
And Darren Antola, the creator of the movies, turned to me and he said, well, you know, I guess I should ask, you know, uh, what do you know about wrestling? And I said, well, absolutely nothing. And he turned to his boys and he goes, I think we found our man. <laughs> nice. a, a wrestling fan may have gotten, like, too personal with it and not actually captured the spirit of what the movie was, the story the movie was trying to tell. Exactly. I know a lot about wrestling now. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you, the amount of wrestlers that you had in this, I actually wrote down a bunch of them, um, and because I wanted these guys. I was the only one in here that got to see it. Um, so, yeah, Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Greg Valentine, Bret Hart, Superstar Billy Grant, Wendy Richter, Georgie Animal Steel, Don <coughs> Fargo, Jimmy Snuka, Axe of Demolition, Lenny Poffo, Abdullah the Butcher, <sighs> The Million Dollar Man, Gangrel, Angelo K uh, King, King Kong Marsh, The Wolfman, um, uh, you had Angelos um, Savaldi, Stan Hansen, uh, Lex Luger, Judo Jean LaBelle, Marty Jannetty, Nikolai Volkov, Ox Baker. And, you know, the saddest thing I could say about it is the amount of guys that have passed away since you started filming it. Um, it it's it's really eye-opening. Yeah, it's, it's like the telephone book of wrestling as far as, you know, how many people are in it. But, yeah, a number of people passed away. Uh, including Ox Baker, uh, yep. George Animal Steel passed away. Uh, a number of them, which was uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, Jimmy but... Snuka, another one that passed away. And uh, the thing, yeah. one of the big yeah. things I, I was um, when I saw Bret Hart in it. When you, when I see any documentary with Bret Hart, my first assumption is that oh they're going to go into the Montreal screw job and Owen Hart dying. And you you guys didn't, which I thought was perfect because wrestling fans have heard those stories and seen those stories told ten thousand times yeah. over. It's definitely been beaten into the ground. And instead, you, t you take this guy and Brett the Hitman Hart, who has one of the most storied careers, uh, third-generation wrestler, family still in the business, and one of the best perspectives of the industry, because while guys around him were going off the rails, he was kind of trying to do his own thing, and he it was nice to see Brett speak about his time in wrestling glowingly rather than the wrestling with darkness. Like, that's one of the documentaries about him. And um, you, ca you captured that one. I mean, you even went into, like, the midget wrestling and stuff, which I thought was cool. You had one of the, the midget wrestlers in there telling his story, and I thought that was fantastic as well. Yeah, he was great. You know, he, he, just, uh, he just had this wide-eyed wonder about the life that he had led and stuff, and it was great. And Bret Hart, of course, was great. Uh, the associate producer for, for the movie, Evan Ginsberg, who also did the same on, on The Wrestler, uh, that movie. Love that movie. Uh, point out, point out that, yeah, it's great. Point out that Brett, um, Brett brought like this kind of really sober, reflective look back on his career that was tinged with humor uh, here and there. But uh, you know, he brought like gravitas to it, which happens to be the name of our distributor, gravitas. Oh wow! Is, of that way. And uh, then so Billy Graham was kind of the opposite. He looked back on his life with uh, mirth and humor, and he was constantly just sort of chuckling over even like the worst incidents that ever occurred to him. Yeah. So Evan said, you know, these two guys, these guys, they're like the, uh, they're like the, the, the theater masks, you know, of the tragedy comedy masks. You know, that you know, it's at the end of the Three Stooges and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that sort of bookend the movie, and all the other wrestlers fill the gap in between that sort of comedy tragedy. 
Well, and they all bring absolutely. something different to it. And I, I'd say with Su- superstar Billy Graham, one of the things that I appreciated about him is how honest he was about the use of steroids in the industry. You, you know, it's one of those things, the guys that usually talk about using steroids are, you know, they're bitter towards the industry. And superstar Billy Graham doesn't come off as bitter. I know he's he's been somewhat outspoken about some things in WWE, but if anyone can do it, you know, he's one of the most influential people in this industry ever. And the fact that he was talking about how he had one of the best physiques. He had one of the original, like, statuesque physiques in wrestling. And he's like, I'm not getting built like that without doing steroids. And steroids for years and years and probably still are such a, a crucial pillar in professional wrestling. I mean, these guys, like the title of the movie, they're on the road 350, di- 350 days a year. How could they not use steroids to maintain their sanity, their health, and not be hurting all the time? Exactly. Billy Graham was uh, very pragmatic about it and, you know, what it brought to him and uh, what it took away from him. Yeah, and... and uh, one of the other great storytellers in the movie was uh, the brother of Macho Man Randy Savage, Lenny Poffo. And one thing I love about him is I don't know if anyone seems happier or speaks more glowingly about what the industry has given to them in life than Lenny Poffo. And the way he speaks is so animated um, and bright. And, you know, that's the thing that this balanced so well. You know, Jimmy Snookers was um, somewhat somber considering he just passed. And, you know, there's all the controversy about the, the murder he may or may not have committed years prior. And to see, like, just... You know, the, the layer of humanity, as I stated earlier, and how important it was to him the first time his mother saw him wrestle on TV and the emotion that brought him. I'm like, no matter what you think of the guy, his mother, that's her son. And to show that this meant something to these family members. And then on the other side of the coin, Wendy Richter, one of the original fabulous ladies of wrestling, are the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, was saying how her father didn't talk to her after she left to go wrestling. Um, and I thought, yeah. I thought you know, you got two sides of the coin there. But again, the movie did such a good job of not going down that route of the darkness, the despair, and the guys that everyone that dies. The only one in the movie that I thought, like when I saw him, I was like, yeah, I know this guy is messed up, and he looked messed up when he was being interviewed. Was Marty Janet, uh, Marty Janetti. Um, yeah. He seemed very out of it, but we also know that there's a history of that with him. Yeah. Um, well, starting with Jimmy Snuka. Um, I thought that, you know, despite, you know, allegations and things, uh, his, the personality that he brought that was one of sort of childlike wonder, Absolutely. which I thought was very interesting. Um, and you mentioned his mother, which, I mean, anytime that guy mentioned his mother, I said, this is going into the movie, even if it doesn't make sense, because the devotion that he shows there it was authentic family and mother it's incredible um and that connection you make between wendy uh, as the other side of the coin with her family yeah that's a very interesting point that you make there and as far as marty goes yeah i think maybe he was a little bit out of it i wasn't there you know i wasn't involved with the shooting part of the thing but you know he had some things to say that had to go in regardless absolutely of his, his state of mind and he you know he also he's very funny and oh, yeah. that's one thing you mentioned you've seen a lot of wrestling documentaries and I think this one probably has more humor than all the rest Absolutely. combined right Absolutely. It didn't, it didn't, it, like I said, it didn't go too dark at any point. And every time I thought it was going that way, it pulled you back in. 
and the layers yeah. of, layers of humanity to each one of the, the superstars that was interviewed was authentic and genuine and you know the uh, the marty Janetti part it mostly made me laugh because he's like you know i had this partner that uh, i rolled with and we always partied i'm not going to say his name but me and sean had a great time <laughs> and i'm like yeah, yeah. i'm like there you go more because he's he's been one that's you know he's a guy that probably should be in the wwe hall of fame as one of the rockers and unfortunately his own demons prevented that and that's a lot of guys in the industry and you know there's certain guys that were in this that you could say the same thing about abdul the butcher has burned a lot of bridges wrestling with hepatitis c and not telling his opponents but there's no doubting that he's one of the most influential type of wrestlers there's ever been you know one of the original true violent wrestlers um you know million dollar man who he really went into the the mistakes men make that have wives and children with women on the road and the story he told about his wife saying i'm gonna try to make this work leaning on her faith i thought that was uh beautiful i thought it was incredibly well done um he's one of the best people to hear talk about that because he's a guy that really turned a lot of things in his life around a million dollar man well, I think uh, in that little segment there where he spends about maybe a minute and a half sort of encapsulating what you just said, it's kind of like the, the price of fame down to 45 seconds and get the whole story in. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. That movie. I mean, absolutely. And a lot of the wrestlers, they talked about how their family lives were ruined by it. And some, you know, it seemed like they blamed the wrestling industry. And then some said, no, like, we, we chose to do this, you know. And um, one of the things Bret Hart talked about was when they started testing for cocaine. And, and or, or, or started testing for weed. And they're like, you can't smoke weed anymore. And Brett's like, oh, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to be drinking and doing pills. And that's really when the epidemic started. Well, uh, you know, they they said no to one thing, which meant that you're clear to do anything else. And it's been most of these guys, it's been opioids and then booze that kill them. Um, and I, you know, you you captured all the the angles that this could possibly come from. And, uh, you know, you said that you weren't a wrestling fan and you mostly worked on music documentaries. So was this like a huge change from what you normally work on? And uh, what kind of challenges did you have in doing that? Well, I did work with Brett Hart in the early 90s and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Wow. Uh, Paul Bear, I think. Uh, I directed a music video for, for the WWF. It was called something like We're All Together Now. They I know exactly there. what you're talking about. Like me and my buddy are shaking our heads like we, we go deep with our old school wrestling <laughs> in the, the cheese era, but I remember that very well. Yeah, all these metal guys, heavy metal guys, and then and then the wrestlers and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> we were just running around, and I was like, I remember we were in Washington Square Park, and I didn't know who Bret Hart was at the time, but I found out pretty quickly because, man, when he walked into Washington Square Park on a Saturday afternoon, it was like President of the United States walked in there, you know? Yeah, he was it a big was star. Unbelievable. Yeah. And a few years earlier, um, I made a film with Killer Kowalski as well, so I had a couple of experiences. In fact, there's a clip from that film in 350 days uh, with Killer. Yeah, I mean, um, go on. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a story that, that people share basically no 
matter what you do. As, as long as you're, you make sacrifices to get to the top, you're going to have these kind of stories no matter what your profession is. But uh, I best bring a music sensibility to it. Yeah, and uh, you know, th as you said, you know, th that's that's a great point. Doing like a music documentary, even in music documentaries, you know, the music may be the the crutch of the film, but you're trying to tell a story about the the struggles on that tour with uh, whether it's bandmates or whatever, or just from date to date and how they get through it. So it is, I guess, it is very very similar. Um, what what was your favorite mo movie or thing that you worked on specifically? Do you have one that like sticks out in your mind? What was the favorite movie I worked on? Yeah. <laughs> I did a couple of others that I that I like as editor. Uh, one which hasn't been released yet uh, is about a, a, a photographer, you know, a known photographer whose work is like in in, in the Museum of Modern Art and other places like that, uh, who slowly over the years uh, progressively uh, was going blind, uh, oh, and wow. it's about his stress to continue working even to the point where you actually completely blind and still taking pictures. Wow, that's that when when is that one coming out? That's actually one that I really cool. that I, what, when, when when does that one drop? I, I, I'm not hearing you there, uh, what, Dan. When when is that movie coming out about the photographer? Uh, we don't know yet. It's called The Tears of Apollo and we're not quite sure uh editing has been completed, but um we're not really sure where we're going. The director's name is John Spellos. Okay. And uh, it's a film. Okay, yeah, that's one I'm definitely interested in checking out. That'd be um, cool. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, you know, our buddy uh, Mike Tomchek set this up for us. Um, when I saw that the movie was out, I was like, I, I was gonna watch it regardless if my friend worked on it or not, because I like watching all this stuff about the an industry that I really, really love. Um, and it's doing fantastically so far on uh, the iTunes charts on Amazon. I saw that it was number one in sci-fi downloads. And I don't know if this is science fiction, but uh, <laughs> um, it's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan Ginsberg, because uh, Mike sent us an email and he said, "What the H?" But he goes, "But but I'll take it." Yeah, yeah. number one in sci-fi movies, and Evan Ginsberg said. Uh, you know, that's because Ox Baker's from another galaxy. <laughs> yeah, Ox Baker was out there, man. He's a, he was an interesting guy. Very, uh, still very loud and flamboyant and everything. Uh, he was uh, one of my favorite ones in the movie. Um, and how, how this movie must have been getting worked on for a while because a couple guys were in it that I passed away a while ago. Um, and so, what, when did you guys start working on this? Well, let's see. Uh, the director, Fulvio Cesare, yesterday sent uh, an email and he had a picture of Greg Valentine holding the slate, the production slate. So, and it was uh, six years ago to the day, yesterday, that they shot Greg. Greg okay. was not the first, but I think it was at least six or seven years ago that they started shooting. And the editing was about a, uh, eight months of continuous editing and then two or three more months of sort of like finesse editing that wasn't necessarily eight hours a day every day. But for the first seven or eight months, it was seven days a week, full time. Wow. You know? And how long have you been working uh, on film editing specifically? When did you break into this industry? Well, I was directing in Boston and we were doing music videos. We were set up, uh, remember that group, The Cars? Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were set in their studio. They gave us like a room where we could do production. So we were doing work for them. 
I was making my own films and stuff. And uh, this one guy who was my director of photography, he moved to New York and he was trying to get again in music video. This was in the early 90s. And he started to become successful by showing his reel, which basically was a lot of work that I had directed, but he had shot. And so some people, once they got past how, how the lighting was and stuff and wanting to hire my buddy, they said, well, who directed that, by the way? So I started to get big as a result, and ultimately I had to move to New York, and I just fell right into the, basically, they would put me on the road with rock bands to do behind-the-scenes documentary work as a one-person crew. You probably saw, some, usually, you probably saw some wild shit doing that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, 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 did, I did more than see wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, part, you partook. <laughs> in the festivities. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the roadies get more than the rock stars, and I figured, well, maybe the cameraman can get more than the roadies. <laughs> That's a good point, man. All right, so um, again, I, I really appreciate you taking some time with us. We have two questions for every single one of our guests, and I'm going to ask you them as well. Um, our show is called You Watch, I Listen. Um, we're based in movies and music, so the first question is, what's your favorite movie? Jeez, my favorite movie of all time? Yes. Well... Uh, I would have to say it's Steamboat Bill Jr., which is the Buster Keaton film. I'm going to write that down because I, I, you know, you working, it's called Steamboat Bill Jr. Jr. I'm going to check that out. Um, and uh, the other question is, it's very hard to pick out a favorite album, so I think it's better if I say, what's your favorite band and your favorite album by that band? But first, can I tell you my favorite talkie? Sure. Song. Sure. Uh, a clock Oh yeah. Well, that's okay. can't go wrong with that. That's one I watch at least once a year. I go. I go. I just like a few months ago. I went through a total Kubrick kick and watched every single one of his movies. So um, uh, I, I will always uh, love Clockwork Orange. Um, so uh, your, your favorite band and your favorite album by that band. <laughs> I guess I would definitely have to go um, pretty obvious here and say the Beatles, and I would. Have to choose between the White Album and, and Rubber Soul. Those are my two. I'm gonna go with Ru- those are my two favorite yeah, Beatles albums. Yeah, I'm going with Rubber Soul. So like, we, we we did a whole segment on the show where we um um me and the the original co-host of the show we listened to every Beatles album and then we ranked them and my number one was Rubble, Rubber Soul and two was White Album so I'm with you right there entirely. Yeah, see, um, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a Sergeant um, Pepper's well, guy. Um, Michael, is that the audition then? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but Michael, I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, again, the movie is 350 days. It's available on Amazon, iTunes, uh, most streaming platforms to rent and buy. Um, so again, thank you very much for spending some time with us. You did a kick-ass job on this movie. Great, thanks, Dan and Taylor and the rest of you folks. Thanks a lot. It was nice talking. You, you too, man. Have a great Have a weekend, one, man. right? Okay, you too. All right. All right, and that was Michael Berlingame from the new documentary that our friend Mike Tomchak worked on, uh, 350 yeah. Days. Again, all wrestling fans should take some time to watch that. Um, I uh, Spooner, you especially will really like it. Yeah, I heard said, about it. I just haven't had a chance to, um, to go and see it. it it's, you'll, you'll definitely like it because, again, we're so used to these wrestling documentaries just being depressing. I yeah. mean, it's kind of what comes with the territory. Like, there's some that are depressing, and then they are uplifting at the end. Like, I love the resurrection of Jake the Snake, yeah. but there's times where it's depressing parts. It's, there's oh, parts yeah. where it's just brutal. Um, so I really, and again, thank you to our good friend Mike Tomchak for setting that up. Thank you, Mike. And, uh, we maybe get another call in about five minutes. I don't know if he went MIA. Whoa, careful, careful there, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> um, that would suck. Um, uh, we may be getting a call spooner from Mr. Mark the Hammer Coleman. 
um, in a little bit. Never heard of him. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was really cool, man. Um, it's cool to like actually talk to someone that's in like the actual process of making the movie. That is really and cool. And I, I, I was really wondering if he was a fan or not because as a fan, you may be too person. It may be too personal to you. Like it'd be very hard for me to work on something like that. Oh my god, it's Bret Hart. I <laughs> like, agree. Uh, screw job, screw job. Yeah, right. <laughs> Goldberg ended your career. Goldberg ended your career. Yeah, right. Like that's where I'm going. You were on The Simpsons. Butterfinger BBs. Butterfinger BBs. <laughs> so that was cool um I, I guess if you want to just like just kill time for five minutes and wait till he show uh, wait till he calls well if he but... if he calls i mean it's uh he was supposed to call last week and then he just stopped answering <laughs> it's called so i wonder what's going on with him well, but if he does call in there are very few re- fighters that have had a bigger impact short of hoist gracie maybe i mean you're talking especially hoist... in the early stages yeah i mean ground and pound wasn't a thing until mark oh, coleman yeah, yeah. like he, the he, king he, of ground he, and pound? he said i just grabbed the interview was after he won the ufc 10 tournament um, he said, I just ground and pounded his ass, and that's where it was born. Yeah. And then it became a thing. I mean, you're talking Hammer House, winning Pride, UFC, coming back to UFC and actually winning at UFC 100 at age, like, 44. Yeah. Um, the guy was awesome, so we met him before. We did, um, yeah. I, I, there's, about there's a story. five, six years ago, Yeah, I think, that was right UFC 128. Wow, you yeah, have a better memory Yeah, that was 128. That was the Shogun Jones card. <laughs> yes, um, correct. So uh, I'll be excited if he calls in. If he right. doesn't, then we'll, cool. we'll get creative. Um yeah. Well, I was going to say, because so as you're doing that, I just like just browse Twitter very quickly. Sure. And the, this thing popped up. Uh, so the Mets have decided to skip Vargas' next start. DeGrom will pitch on Tuesday and Syndergaard on Wednesday. Okay. I mean, no, I'm just saying, I, I just think it's funny how they're like they're going to skip Vargas. Well, it's smart to skip. Start. They actually, a lot of teams will do that early in the season. They'll skip starts on their like number five because you want to get your best pitchers the most starts possible. Yeah, for and sure. And honestly, I was um, Vargas was getting hit hard the other day, but I was impressed with his ability to pitch around it, which is what your number five is supposed to do. Yeah, right. Um, I, I just so last night I just started finally they finally added Pete Alonso to MLB the Show, so I'm like I'm going to start a franchise now, and I'm like I have Jason Vargas or. Dallas Keuchel's a free agent in the game. Signed him. Like, he's only 82 in the game. Compared to Vargas' 68. Yeah, right. So, it's like... <laughs> I was like, I'm not pitching with this jerk. Like, come on. It's no. What, it's, 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 I would I, every the, time I watch him pitch, it's like he's throwing fucking batting practice. Yeah, well, I mean, he's... Seth Lugo now. It, it, well, that's a, your number five is almost always going to do that. No team ever has had a number five ace. Like, it right. Just no, I'm not it. saying your that. number five, you want... 180 to 200 innings out of them. You get maybe a low four to mid three ERA on a good team. That's a solid number five. You don't even know some of the number fives I've seen the Mets have in my well, day. I can imagine. Oh no. my god, Tim Redding. Okay. Like yeah, exactly. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who? I was like, yeah, he was a number five on the Nationals when they were losing a hundred games a year, and they signed him like cool. I was like, this fucking asshole. He's, the, he's our third string quarterback. I remember, his, I remember his debut with the Mets because they signed him, and he was recovering from some surgery, and he debuted on the road. They were in San Francisco. I was so mad about this game, dude. It was the guy I told you I bought the jersey of. It was Ryan Church, his second year with the Mets, and I'm like, oh, it was like the eighth inning. I'm like, oh, the Mets won ahead in the game. And then they're like, oh, the inning's over, and they don't go ahead. Ryan Church missed third base as he was rounding the bases. He didn't oh touch it. God. I, dude, there's been few times in baseball games where I was more angry than I was then. I fucking, like, tossed. I was down in Florida. I had, like, MLB TV, and I just fucking told them, oh, fire piece of shit, fucking, fucking doesn't touch third base, fucking asshole. <laughs> like, if I, I, that's, like, to me. It's so weird because in baseball, these guys have been playing baseball for since they were little kids. 
they can mess up on those tiny little things, which shows you how difficult of a game it is. Yeah. You know, some people will say baseball baseball is boring. I get it. But for me, it's all the tiny little things. Every single pitch has a different moving part from where the catcher is set up to the umpire to where the pitcher is going to go to where the defense is set up to the batter's approach. That's at a minimum five different things working in each game. Yeah, dude, you're talk- And then you're talking to changes from pitch to pitch because of the count he's working in. Well, Based on the count you're moving in, your outfielders move around, well, your infielders move I mean, around. It's, it's also, crazy. I mean, it's also cool too, like, you know, because it, a lot of these people play outdoors. I mean, the same thing in any sport if you play outdoors. The weather affects it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, the weather affects a football game. Like, I mean, besides the fact that the Mets got in late uh, before opening day, they could have been lethargic more than likely. Yeah. But, I, I mean, the wind probably played a de- uh, good enough factor because it was whipping around so bad, it probably messed with Noah a tiny bit, and he still pitched okay. Yeah, I mean, you know I, what I mean? I, but, I'm extremely angry about how they handled um, the... So, the Mets got screwed in their scheduling the other night, Josh. I don't know if you heard about this. So, on Wednesday night, they played in Miami, yep. and the game ended around 9.30. Okay. Right, and they had a one ten game the next day. Already, that's fucked. They were the first team to play a night game before their home opener in like ten and a half years, mm-hmm. like something crazy. No team has had to do that in forever, so that's kind of fucked in the first place. At, at then, if the game ends at nine thirty, you're not getting on a plane till ten thirty. You're not getting into New York until around one thirty, right? Yep. From yep. Miami, so the game ends, and then they go into the locker room, and the MLB is there to drug test the team. The only one that didn't get drug tested was Robinson Cano, amazingly enough. Yeah, the right. one that the tested one guy. positive. <laughs> I had a couple others. So then they get drug tested. Didn't get out of New York or out of Miami until like 11.15. Didn't get into New York until 2.30 a.m., yeah. which means they didn't get to their hotels or their houses until 4 a.m. and had to be at City Field at 9. And, I, dude, I was thinking when I went to the game, even just that, where they just had a night game, I was like, they're going to be lethargic. I've seen this a dozen times. Yeah. Night game after day game, often, I was like, all right, the bats are going to be dead. And Noah was fine. He gave up one hit, and it was a home run. That's he had what, one yeah. rough inning where he walked two guys, and he got burned on a safety squeeze. Like, he didn't pitch. He pitched well enough to win. But that, they're filing a grievance against the players' union and shit. So, are they um, really? Yeah. They, ha- they should. They should. That's absurd. They shouldn't get drug tested the rest of the fucking year. Let the, all these guys gas. Let little fucking Brandon. Nimmo put on 30 pounds of muscle and just start hitting bombs if they got drug tested for bullshit down. reasons. Who needs to get drug tested a week and a half into the season? Yeah, right. Get the like, fuck out of here so with that dumb. bullshit. I think it's even funnier that Robinson Cano wasn't even drug tested. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm like, did, like did he got for 80 he, games? He got, he got the John Jones treatment. It's like, hey, John, we know you failed like 17 drug tests. They don't need to test him because they know that here. he's going to be positive. So just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just sit out a couple games. Like, <laughs> you were talking uh, the other day about if Brock Lesnar, or someone was yesterday asking me about Brock Lesnar, and I said, what's weird is like, there's still rumors if he's going to come back and fight Cormier, but he's only been tested once by USADA in the last two years, yeah, but he right. is in the drug testing pool. And like, and Holly Holm is getting tested 17 times a year. Holly Holm doesn't look like she's on steroids. At all. Test Cyborg. She get, Holly Holm gets drug nah, tested she's more. She's never failed well, one yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that was, was the whole like she, thing when she was, I forget what she was fighting, but like. She was going like, to fight Cyborg. She well, fought Cyborg. But no, it was going to be Ronda and Cyborg. Mm-hmm. That was the thing for the longest time, and then because Cyborg couldn't pass a drug test, and Ronda would just blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Correct. But, so, I, I mean, I, I think the drug testing is silly every once in a while like I remember I remember when Pat Let them all juice like, like who was it Pat McAfee had like uh, had like an 80 yard punt and then oh, yeah, like yeah. he comes back in the locker room and he's randomly drug tested because <laughs> he had an 80 yard punt or something yeah, like he that? kicked it 40 yards and it rolled another 20 yeah dude I like, love I love Pat McAfee Pat dude, McAfee's he's great, great. Yeah. Dude, honestly he was the best part of a Barstool I'm so happy you, he's gone you would love on um they did it for the last pay-per-view they did um a watch along backstage with uh it was the Iconics 
Sam Roberts and Pat McAfee, oh, and then like Alexa this. Bliss came in. Right. Watching Pat McAfee's reactions for wrestling because he's a WWE employee now, yeah. which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. He does the pre-shows, the post-shows, and sit and shit. Um, his NFL commentary is amazing. He's he great, gets man. so into it. He, he's great. Like, that's <laughs> Every why, time there's a pun, he's that's how for all, the brand. That's how every, punt or kicks or anything he loves it. Every he game eats it up. or event. <laughs> should have at least one former athlete that has a personality on it. Why do you yes. think people like Romo so much? Because he mm-hmm. loves it. Like, yeah. he's, he's so I mean, passionate. He also it's, calls every play crazy. I know. Every it's time. amazing. I know some people are like, he talks too much. I'm like, I like I that. Like, I feel Good. engaged. Though. I feel like I'm hanging out with my friends talking well, about the yeah. game. Have we ever sat out, watched a game or a fight, and just sat there and watched it, and every so often, oh, that's nah. a touchdown. No, we're fucking talking shit. Well, was, we're, uh, we're trying to say what the play should be, what well, it will be, well, what it could be. Well, that's what we were talking about, like, when uh, when Gaethje fought Edson Barbosa, like, last week. We yeah. were talking about, like, oh, dude, like, I, I might bet but Edson's a fucking killer. He might kill him. And then what? Thirty seconds into the, into the fight? No, fucking, it was a, it was like two and a half minutes. Two and a half brawl minutes. Brawl for two and a half minutes. Dude, and then was, Gaethje knocked last him out. second. I throw a hundred dollars on Gaethje, right? And yeah, like, I, right. twenty five of it was mine. I'm like, I want in. I want <laughs> in on this. I told you to bet Gaethje. And go. I, all, all of a sudden, I hear I'm outside. I was at Bob's house. I hear everyone screaming. I go, What happened? What happened? He goes, yeah. Gaethje knocked him out, and I was drunk. Let's fucking go. <laughs> well, the question is, should we put some money on uh, the fights next weekend? Uh, who's fighting next weekend? Is, um, that's, is that the Gastelum fight? Gastelum, and that's not even the main event. The main event is uh, fuck. I, we, we just we just we saw just the talked about this. I can't keep up with it. Uh, it's a it's two title fights. It's a killer. Uh, Israel Adanya who just fought He's Anderson Silva, Kevin Gazdol. Uh-huh. Ga- He's fighting for, again already. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was a great fight. The look up the full card because I need to know now because uh, we have to decide if we want to put some money on or parlays. Is, 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 is this a fight night or is this no? Like it's a UFC. Pay-per-view. It's two title fights. They ain't put that shit on a fight night. But that's what I. Need. It'd be the first time I have to order a pay per view through the ESPN Plus app because now you can't get them on Cablevision and Directv. No, oh wow, I didn't know that. Only only through the plus. So the pay per views have been six. Yeah. Five bucks for the last like yeah. three years. So now ESPN Bluffs is five bucks. It's a month. Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier. We that's a great fight. Yeah. That's gonna be a good yeah. fight. So now you you have the ESPN app for five bucks a month, yeah. and you buy the pay per view through the ESPN Plus app for sixty dollars. So it's the same price. Yo, always awesome. he's fighting too. Oh, who's he fighting? Uh, Can I see the full card? Yeah, Nikita, whatever. Uh, let he's me def- see. Definitely so guy. Eric Anders against Nikita uh, Koloff. No, <laughs> Alan Jobain against Bob uh, uh, Beanie Cycle. His name is Beanie. What an asshole. Beanie Wells. <laughs> yeah, Beanie Wells. <laughs> Remember when Ohio State supposed, Beanie Wells was supposed to be like this shit? All right, so it's eleven nineteen. Let's just talk about some other stuff. And yeah, Nick Coleman it. calls. He calls. Um, so the presale tickets for uh, Avengers Endgame went on sale this week. Yes, they did. Did you see how many how long people were waiting to buy tickets? Dude, oh, wow. I I saw the tweet. I it, it was just happenstance. I woke up. Tickets now available. Tweeted five seconds ago. I get in there. I got my tickets. No fucking Yo, problem. I know people waited four hours yeah, to buy tickets. That's ridiculous. First of all, it's can, a movie. I, can, can I just say, thank you, Matt? Thank you so much for saying what I. It's a fucking movie, dude. But, but here's the thing. I don't care how much you love it. It's a fucking movie. But dude, people do the same thing for concerts that are shorter than a movie. Honestly, yeah, but you're also going. You're going to a live performance. You're gonna go sit down and watch a fucking movie when it'll come out. Honestly, I don't see the difference. I do not see the difference okay, whatsoever. Okay, because okay. when half these assholes are recording it on their phone, there is no difference okay, at all. Hold on. Let, let let me let me put it to you like this. A movie so, has more replay value than a concert as that's, well. That's not true. What do you mean it's not true? Are you recording the whole concert, asshole? Listen, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. What replay value in a concert you went to at Starland? Tell me, please. The Wonder Years. What replay value? When can you replay it? No, I'm saying like like. I could I could replay it in my head. I've seen it a thousand times. Like when I went to go see Motorhead at Starland Ballroom. When I, when I when I went to go fucking see Iron Maiden. 
Dude, it's having it, it's, ha- it's being in that moment and having that experience. Sure, you can watch the movie so it's a thousand times you see a movie over. Opening night too. But you don't need to fucking sit there and sit there and tell me and say it's you're the same goddamn thing. You're waiting in line at the It's just your computer is signed in. It's the same thing when you buy concert tickets. It's the same fucking thing. No. How is it not the same different. thing? It's the same exact thing. You wait in line for people wait seven but you're and paying, half hours. But, but to you're buy paying for a live experience. You're paying. You're paying for a live experience. Going you can only get one time. Experience you only get one time. No, it's different. Absolutely different. You're watching live music as opposed to something that was pre-recorded yeah, a music, year ago? It's the same fucking thing. What is no. the difference with waiting in line online for movie tickets versus concert tickets? It's, it's the same fucking principle no, for the same idea. I, I the movie is longer than the concert. The concert could end up the sucking concert ass. Is, the concert is... Same with the movie. The movie could end up sucking you ass. You think the Avengers are going to suck ass? It doesn't matter. It, it's still up there. It's still no, for debate. Have you no seen difference. it so you don't know? An asshole waiting in line on the internet for seven hours for a concert ticket is no different than waiting online for four hours for a movie no, it's ticket. Different. You, How is it different? You're compared there, to the Rolling Stones to the Avengers Endgame, there's completely different. Yeah, thing. you're right because the fucking Rolling Stones will be dead in two years because Rick Jagger has fucking throat cancer while the Avengers I'll be able to go opening night and enjoy it and I didn't have to wait online Doesn't or if matter. I did wait online it's the same thing no, oh, I'm going to wait in line and I'm going to get a notification no, when I can buy tickets no, there, people aren't sitting here waiting like this to see if their fucking turn is up you dumb shithead nope. that's Mm-mm. not what happens nope. at all How? Nope. tell me Josh have you ever waited in line for tickets to buy online and like for concerts you got to wait 20 how many concert for- movies can you go buy too it's the same thing. What do you mean? You can you could literally buy how many live how many live albums are there? How many live DVDs are there? It's literally the same thing. But you can go and see yes, the concert right. it's just like live. You can go home and watch the movie by yourself as you could at the movie theater. But what I'm saying is you, you don't have to wait point. that long for a movie, dude. It's not that it's so much more different if you go compared to going. Night, yes, you do. It doesn't. Yes, you I do. don't. I don't see the I, maybe because I just don't see that see the appeal but for a midnight you're, showing you're anymore. This, uh, an insanely more complicated in your big fucking head than it is. You wait. Nope. online. You wait online on the internet. You're not sitting there looking at your computer screen for four hours. You sign in. You're in line. Maybe because I, maybe because I just don't care enough about the fucking movie. And honestly, because like who like why do you have to? Wait I wouldn't that do long? it either. But I also wouldn't wait in line for four hours for concert tickets because that's depraved to me too. Waiting online for that for anything is depraved. Mm-hmm. Going to an amusement park waiting three hours is depraved. I think it's but silly. There's that's no what I dis- think. there's no difference because Avengers is going to make significantly more money than any concert tour ever has. Yeah, sure. One thousand percent. Yeah, and if people want to go. They can fucking wait. It's, they're not like sitting there wasting their day waiting to buy tickets. Your phone tells you or your computer tells you when it's your turn. You sign in, you wait in line. It's no fucking different. One of the other difference. You're not spending $300 to sit in the last row obstructed in some shithole stadium wait seven hours. Right, your You're, friends don't save you seats. Yeah, that's not our <laughs> fault at all again. That is your fault. How is that our fault? Because you decided to stop at Wendy's for the opening night of what was we, the biggest movie I at the time. I was with Justin. What how did you expect was going to happen? Dude, how many times do we have to tell you what happened? We saved you seats and then the fucking theater staff came up and said you can't save seats. It's first come, first serve. That's not my yeah, problem. That's we my told you guys, could have done it. You guys were like, the theater's not going to be that packed. I'm like, are you high? How to go They're showing the Wendy's, Dark Knight. dude. Talk, yeah. talk to, talk to Grohal about that. You showed up 10 minutes before the movie yeah. started. We were talk there for to, an hour. 10 minutes before that. the movie. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. 10 Ooh. minutes before the biggest movie of all time at the time. Ooh. Yeah, and, at the time, yes. Yeah, it was the highest grossing movie of all time, the largest opening weekend of all time. Put me and to you sleep. blame everyone but yourself. Put me to sleep. No, it didn't. You put me to sleep because you were in the second row because you got there 10 minutes early. Put me to sleep. Dude, you know what? You you love it. You love it because it, no, gave, it's good you, now. gave you a marquee fucking Taylor moment. Hell yeah, you dude. walk into the theater, you, look, at us, you look up at us, <laughs> you see there's no fucking seats for you, you throw your arms up in the air, cool, didn't want to sit with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, dude, we saved seats. We got yelled at for saving you seats. Well, like, I put, we put, like, sweatshirts on it. I went and bought popcorn just to put on a seat. <laughs> 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 that was $30 fucking dollars for the yeah. popcorn. <laughs> 
<laughs> like literally, and you're like, you're fucking mad because you guys had to get Wendy's. Talk to talk to Grandma oh, like, about you that. You wouldn't want to me. stop for food anyway. I stop for food every day. What's the what's yeah, exactly. that any different? <laughs> How's the diet going? It's actually going no, not great after Thursday. After honestly. Thursday, I, not great. No, I felt I felt like shit yesterday, honestly. So I I just thought it was crazy that all the um going back to the whole but, but ticket the, thing, the, it was the, crashing. The, the prices are astronomical. Well, well, if, okay, the one thing I will agree on: you're an asshole if you're spending more than thirty dollars on a movie ticket. Like if you really right. want to go that bad, I can accept thirty dollars is the cap on a movie maybe, ticket. Maybe like forty. If it's IMAX like, dine-in, something 40, where you, yeah, right. you pick your seat. That I understand. Yeah, you know? yeah. But people are on eBay. You can you like a, go to eBay and type in Avengers Endgame tickets. I mean, like thousands, thousands of dollars, a thousand dollars, something. Yeah. Yeah. Type in Avengers Endgame tickets. I want to see fucking how much crazy. they're going for. And people are buying them. That's what's fucking crazy. Like fucking. You can just te- wait a week. Kluge text. <laughs> that's at the the uh, that's at the Vigeners. The Vigeners. Yeah. Um, Kluge texts me when the Endgame tickets go on sale, like after work, and he's like. Hey, um, it's playing at Kinelon at these times on uh, Thursday. Do you want me to buy tickets? I'm like, I'm not buying advanced tickets for Kinelon. I just show right. up. <laughs> yeah, like, right. For Kinelon, right, I'm right, right. that tiny-ass theater. Okay, so here we go. Of it's kind of a lot bucks, better, though. Yeah, it? But still over fucking $50. No, right, yeah. Yeah. How much is it? Uh, uh, look, 200 250 500 I'm telling you, like, the one I would pay for a lot would be, or like pay for the experiences, like the Dolby Theater in Rockaway, like the really nice one. Oh, that's one. a nice theater, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I just, yeah, yeah. I, I, So that's where, like, I, I, I agree with you in principle. I don't think the waiting... Like, like having your computer waiting for you to buy a ticket, just the regular price is a big deal. But to spend oh, like, this much, twenty five hundred dollars and twelve people night, are watching. That's got to be like one of the crazy, insane movie theaters for two thousand. Twelve people are watching that to see if it goes down in price. I better see that live with them. Uh, they better role be, playing it in fucking front of me for twenty five hundred dollars. I better get a lap dance from fucking Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that price. Like, come on, and Chris Evans. Yeah, well, yeah, true. Not this, 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 Chris right here, this, this makes sense. <laughs> okay. Open night fan event. $5,000, yeah, because it's like the whole fucking well, cast I was gonna is say, there. Well, yeah. That's well, you're an experience. Doing the See, that's thing, different. Right? That's yeah. an experience. You're paying for an experience. But, but I'm still, saying like if you're just going to your average theater. No, yeah. you, you, don't, I mean? you don't no. spend more than $50 tops. Correct. Because I think 50 is the cap. Hey, look, then, those, are, those are my seats you for gotta, Dark Knight Rises. You gotta th- no, you were closer. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, gotta think even more than that beyond the $50. You get there, and if you want to buy food and a drink, too, you're spending another 30 bucks. It's an $80 a night. That's what's nice about Kinelon being like renovated now and comfortable. It's a lot better, dude. I just go to the AMC. The, 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 the last, the last one I saw, we went to go see Fallout there. Yeah. The last time I was there, fucking awesome, dude! It was so. Josh good. and I went and saw us, and like a ticket, popcorn, soda, candy was fucking sixteen dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if I go That's with the killer, if man. I go with the landlord on a Sunday, you go to a matinee, two tickets, large popcorn, large drink, twenty two dollars. Ma- yo, yo, matinee is how you do it. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Really you have to. Oh, no, matinee, matinee. Or, you, or matinee, you go during a fucking the week. Sunday morning you, no, or something. You go, no, you go during the week at yeah. night when no one's there. Kill yeah. on. I'll go by myself. Like on a fucking time. Tuesday or Wednesday. It's great. Uh-huh. It's awesome. Like just being in the movie theater by yourself is that. fantastic. Even if it's just a couple other people in there. Yeah, we saw Captain Marvel. I went with two of my friends. Right? How was it? It was okay. It was whatever. It's a lower tier Marvel movie. So it was me, Richie, and our friend Quaz. And there's like one other couple in the theater, like all, like 15 rows in front of us. And I'm sitting there. I see like smoke coming out of Quaz's like jacket. I look over. He's got his fucking pen with him. I'm like, yeah, like let's go, let's do this. Like, I'm like, I want this experience too. Hell yeah. Richie's like, yeah, give that to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> fucking dumb asshole. I texted him the other day after we did the waxing. I'm like, how are your nipples? And he's like, they're not bad, man. And then he's telling me how it actually like he liked it. I'm like, you're fucking so gay. Like, and how's your uh, how's your belly patch? So it's fine. I'll tell you, my back hurt. The, the back and the inner thigh hurt for like two days. It was like rough. And now they feel great. Like now they're so smooth. smooth. The yeah, no, to I was going to say, like, like, like a fucking baby. Dude, the one strip on my leg, I like I went through a scratch my leg and I'm like, oh, oh Dude, okay. Like, my, my, Damn. But my back, the problem was like, 
there was still like a little bit of wax. Actually, no, one side, you guys left a shit ton of wax on my back. Well, I was like, what the yeah, fuck? That was the is side that, that Richie did. That was, yeah, yeah, that, to yeah, be no, Richie no just like, Richie threw it on like peanut butter. Like, you can't do dude, it like I was that. Like, fucking, I was like, that shit there, was fucking thick. Oh, dude, oh, the, 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 the back hurt, the inner thigh, I had a fucking bruise like a motherfucker. I, I yeah, the inner thigh is so, fucking. Yeah. Dude, that, I was like, whatever. Who took the picture of my crotch in Richie's face? Why did you send that to me? What? Why did you send it to me? I didn't? No, send it to me right now. Oh, shit, I, thought I would assume that's the one picture you I'm would t- send. I'm going to send it to Richie, and I'm going to be like, you need to make this your profile picture right now because you're moving. <laughs> so how often do you wear that Speedo? Okay, so the whole the way the thing the Speedo happened was um, the landlord and I were watching The Sopranos, and one of the characters is like down in Miami sitting poolside, and he's wearing the Speedo. And she's like... I don't get why anyone wear those. How could a man actually want to wear that out? I'm like, yeah, I go right on Amazon and I order it. <laughs> so it comes in, it, it came in like that week and uh, she's like, cooking dinner for the week because we meal prep mm-hmm. and I come out of the, the guest room and she's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> she's like, you're never going to wear that out and I'm like, well, now that you think I won't, when we go to Vegas this summer, this is the only bathing suit I'm wearing. This is the only thing I'm wearing. <laughs> I, really was, I was really doing it more for shock value but she challenged me and that's the biggest mistake she could make. If she like encouraged it, I probably wouldn't do it. But challenge me on it, and I'm gonna do it. Yeah, what did she enjoy like, more? Huh? The Christmas ornament, <laughs> or the speedo? <laughs> the black Santa praying to a black Jesus. Dude, that one was. <laughs> I forgot about that. When she saw that, she her face was such Just disappointment. <laughs> she was like, "You." Asshole! Like, I, if you challenge me on something, you guys know as knowing me as long as you did. If you tell me I'm not going to do something, I'm going to do it. I so think, here's yeah. a question. No, yeah. No. So you're going to go out and you're going to do this, but are you going to go gross, hairy, nasty yes. Dan? Or yeah, you, I dude, dude I'm past hairy. All is no, no, splendor. Think about, this. think about this. Think you got a, you got plenty of time to decide. What is more shocking? What would be more terrible? I'm not completely waxing myself. No, but dude, think about it. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about like, it. What would be more shocking, more terrible for the landlord? To be walking around with you in a nasty, hairy mess, or you walking around with you as a fucking baby, baby, baby. smooth, fully waxed, disgusting loser. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it home with that we last can, part. We can, yeah. we can do an episode. We go to an actual, like, a waxing place and get it done <laughs> and not tell her. <laughs> And hopefully she won't listen to this part of it. Um, Dude, yeah, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta walk point. around. You're gonna be so I pale. The sun hits me. He's looking shameless. You can't see him. I, I, I have yeah. to. I have to think about that because that's a good point. The the body hair prevents a lot of um, like, damaging sun rays, <laughs> UV rays. Yo, but like you gotta do your eyebrows too. I'm not doing my eyebrows. You gotta, dude. You, gotta do, not, you gotta do the full I'm, I'm not shaving. All of his hair got waxed. But I, I, dude, I, I, okay, I'll do my eyebrows if you do your eyebrow. Eyebrow? <laughs> I don't tell you. You're such a you fucking said, cunt. You set me up for that. Set you up for what? You know. I know what. Grow up. All right. Um, I so what does that do? Did you guys see the Joker trailer this week? I am beyond. Did you watch it? I'm, no, I didn't. Yo, I, I look, did see that release. I, I didn't see it. Though. Beyond excited for this. Like, if there's anyone that could do it just as well as Heath and Jack is and Leto and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is Joaquin Phoenix. You want to talk about full method actor method actor craziness? Like, dude, that's looks, the guy to do it. It looks very Scorsese ish. Well, it looks super dark. Well, we were talking about it. Like, there's one part where it looks like it's the King of Comedy. It looks like the King of Comedy. Well, De Niro. Yeah. In it and he's on a stage like the King of Comedy. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it's really cool. Like I like the this is uh, short, short of Star Wars. This is my most anticipated movie yeah. by far. Um, it's like Star Wars, Joker, and then everything else. Like uh, everything else is secondary I'm, at this point. I, I like how it's just uh, the overall uh, like arc of it is just like one bad day well, could set you off. They're making him a, a tragic figure. I mean, the the 
most famous Joker sto- origin story is the killing joke. Yep. And the whole thing is that is that a bad uh, he, what he wanted to prove is a bad day could drive everyone nuts. Anyone mm-hmm. nuts. And um, one of the things I caught, so his name in the movie is, um, what is it, uh, Alfred Fleck? Is that what so, it is? Yeah. Uh, uh, Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck. And you know what someone caught on? What Say his uh, middle, his first initial, then his last name. Say it. What? Uh, Alfred. No, say the, say what's the initial? A-F. Okay, but then say the, say the full last name. Frick? No, say the Affleck, dum dum. A Fleck, Affleck. So is this supposed to be like a little Easter egg to it? I, it might be more coincidental, um, but it looks like the weird relationship Fuck with you, his Josh. mother. He's bathing. <laughs> yeah, you're terrible with the numerical dates I just and don't, shit. I, just don't I said well, uh, the, th- the other day we were when it, was, when it was March 28th. I'm like, hey Josh, what's the date today? Three twenty-eight, as in twenty-eight to three, as in the Falcons and the Patriots. And Taylor for like ten minutes. He, then he finally texts me. He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Do it." He's like, three twenty-eight. I'm like, "Yes." Think about who we're saying it to. Oh, <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't have time to pick up on shit like that. I'm too busy. When I was like, when it was Austin three sixteen day, I'm like, "What's today?" Six, he, goes, six, he, goes, six. he goes, "March 16th. I'm like, "Okay, what's yeah. the numerical day?" Six six. Sixteen. I'm know. like sixteen. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Like so, this scene that they just show where he gets beat up on the train and then he's running away. I think that's probably the first time the Joker kills someone and yeah. he's actually running away. Well, I was gonna say the one part I like I really dig like is just like when he's he's doing the sign flipping thing or whatever and the kids steal it and he smacks him with it. Yeah. Like really, when he gets wrecked with the f- sign. I lost it Dude, laughing. Like it, what I love about it, Bruce Wayne. From, that even, kid is definitely Bruce Wayne. Even from the trailer. You're, they're making him a sympathetic figure, which makes you feel for the character and makes you like sympathize with him. So what he's doing is uh, justified in his mind, and that that makes for Dude, the best kind of character. So, it looks so dark. It really. Does. I really can't wait to see what if anyone is going to be able to make you know because someone posted a thing. The years between Joker movies, the original Joker, Cesar Romero. It was 22 years until Jack Nicholson played the Joker. Yep. After he played the Joker, it was 12. Uh, it was actually no more than that. It was. Uh, like he 16, it, was 16, it was 16 years until um, f- they started filming Heath Ledger as a Joker. 16 or 19. Then it was eight years before we got Jared Leto. Thank you, God. Like <laughs> To this day, I, I, fa- I think about Jared Leto and that movie Suicide Squad. I never waste my time with it's it. It's so bad, and he is awful. Yeah. Like For a guy who is a good actor, the problem is he's way too into himself. He's so arrogant and pompous for such a talented guy. I am interested to see he's filming uh, Morbius, the Living Vampire, okay. um, Marvel movie or DC Marvel movie, right? Marvel, yeah. yeah, it's Marvel, Mar- yeah. Um, Morbius. That could be interesting. I'd still wish they just fucking just tell me they're giving me Blade for sure instead of these rumors. Yeah, just, I want another I would, Blade movie. Yeah, please, and give me Wesley Snipes too. Give me yeah, Wesley there's Snipes. nobody else that can play Blade. Well, give me Wesley Snipes in the Whistler or, role with uh, him training someone new. Well, okay, that would okay. be dope. No, if you if passing he, of the he torch, has to be a part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, yo, how sick would it be if like Michael B. Jordan takes up the mantle of Blade? Dude, yeah, that's great. That'd be oh dope. My God. Michael B. Jordan is awesome. He's saying, one well, of the Mike, best well, going. Well, Michael He'll be Blade B. Jr. Well, and Creed Jr. Michael B. Jordan is—he was the best part of Black Panther. He's doing amazing work with both Creed movies. The second yeah. one is probably—I like it a little bit better than the first one. But I like the both first amazing. one. I love the second one, but I like. The I haven't first seen one the second one, one yet. I just, I I just, I just love it. the full circle shit with Drago, where like Drago throws the relationship stuff. I love. I thought the Drago stuff was the best. It was amazing. It was the best acting that Dolph Lundgren has done in his entire career, short of his. Punisher movie, <laughs> which I'm probably the only person in this room has seen it. For more than likely, it's yeah. one of the, the I didn't only, even know he made the one. The only yeah. thing it has in common with the Punisher is the title. Well, I was gonna say I think uh, <laughs> he doesn't like, even wear the shirt. Like, Hold I, on, like, I gotta pause. Really, actually, no. Let me pick this plus, up. Uh, let me see what we got. Hi, is this um is this Brand Dan? You're on. You watch. I listen. Yeah, hey, don't record this. Oh, okay, oh, hold, hold on, on. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Good thing hold you on. said that. 
So we weren't allowed to record that, but um, yeah. we, we'll be talking to Mark Coleman shortly. I like how the first thing he said, yo, don't record this. <laughs> yeah, immediately. <laughs> I always record. Yeah, don't record this. He's fucking crazy. I, <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm um, sorry. I just had to erase something. So uh, I'm going to call Mark Coleman in 15 minutes, yeah. which I'm, I'm excited about talking think, to Mark Coleman. I think Col- that's just a funny sentence. I got to call Mark Coleman in 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, man. Like, it, it was, I, if he was talking, he's like, dude, I don't need to hear about it. So I have a ton of stuff I can say. Um, to Mark Coleman, I wrote down stuff. I mean, yeah. I know a ton I mean, of stuff as is. I mean, I'm also like, I'm down just to listen to the stories. I mean, I, I kind of, I have like a few questions I would like like to know. Like, he might answer them beforehand. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming. So. I mean, I got plenty that I could ask him. So, cool. um, what were we talking about with Where you? Did oh, go? Uh, this probably Who cares. Yeah, get lifts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um, uh, Jesus Christ. So back to the whole uh, Joker thing we were talking about. I, like I, I was saying before, if there's anyone that could play the Joker well and like make it that yeah. much of a sympathetic character I think you look no further than Joaquin Phoenix he's yeah if anyone's fantastic. gonna knock that out of the park um, the amount of movies I mean, he's been in where he is just unbelievable well, I was gonna say like the, like the number one I was I was talking with a buddy about this the other night because I guess he's just he's just like oh what has Joaquin Phoenix been in and the first thing I said uh, Gladiator and yeah I, and I mean, like, nominated Glad- for Gladiator and I, I say and it's one of my favorite movies and I know a lot of people have different feelings I love about Gladiator it. dude her is one of my all time yes. favorite movies yes. I, like I her absolutely a lot. love it just because one, one when I found out it was Spike Jones and Spike Jones had yeah. all that work with Jackass. I didn't think he had that in him. Sure. But it's just one of those really cool things. Like, Joaquin Phoenix is such an amazing... Even Walk the Line. Yeah. He was, he was great. great in, you know what I mean? Like, it's, so, he's such a well-rounded actor. So, I, I do love her. My favorite I performance... My favorite performance of his is still probably The Master, um, which is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it's it's Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy one. Adams. Um, it's loosely based on Scientology. So, while I love her and he's great in her, I... It, People always say, oh, he was pretty much by himself. I actually consider that a negative in a lot of cases. Like, people praise Tom Hanks and Castaway. Yeah, it's easy to be the best actor on screen when you're the only one. Um, and that that's where my... He's great in it still. He's amazing in no, it. No, no, he should have been nominated. I he know, was great. I understand but, what you're saying. But yes, the, I understand. When you have to feed off an actor like Philip Seymour Hoffman right, no, and you, keep you up have with to, him, well, you, that to me stands over when you're just you, dialoguing by yourself. You absolutely have to have that chemistry. Yeah. So, like, I agree, again, that because he was by himself because, uh, you know, it's hard to gauge you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, but when, when there's not another voice in the room and you have a script you gotta, you know, go by. So, that's why I feel that way but you're not wrong. Yeah, thousand, it's, like, it's, having it's, that chemistry with another actor it translates well yeah, on screen and there, if you can two deli- guys like that. If you can deliver a great performance by yourself it's a testament to how good you are. Yep. But I also think it's very hard to gauge how good of a performance is when it's just you. When there's no chemistry involved. When the storyline is you moving it. And sure, it should be difficult as well. There, It's not saying that it's easy by any means. But when you are standing out next to an actor the caliber of Philip Seymour Hoffman or Amy Adams, yep. who's fantastic in her own right, yep. that to me stands out even more. And Because those isolation movies, yeah, they can, they can be great, but you're feeding off yourself. Yeah. There's no other dynamic that can challenge the performance. Right. And in the, the master was one of my favorite performances because of the body language and watching how Phillips, uh, how Joaquin Phoenix character just slowly withers away and he does these like little tiny subtle things his posture changing to me that is one of the most difficult incredible things to do to be able to tell a story via your body language right. that is let me see um, okay so I, I got you that's fine um, I got a text about our Mark Coleman call. Oh, in a minute. I was about to say you got um, gotcha, That's fine. yeah. Who are you talking to? Um, yeah, the same guy, Brad Dudes, uh, Brand Dan. Um, uh, what was another thing this week? Oh, so I saw another thing that people are offended by, guys. About what? Um, a classic thing that people were pointing out. Millennials are saying it's offensive. Think of a sitcom. Friends. 
Oh, I, That's saw, your old po- old. I saw your post. Oh, a new one? Yes. How I Met Your Mother. No, classic no, no. sitcom. Clap, what? Uh, it's All in the Family. No, well, no. That, I'm <laughs> that, well, there you more go. More recent than All in the Family. Uh, Big Bang Theory? Classic. You th- well, people would consider no, it classic. it's still I'm, on. I, Seinfeld. Yes. Seinfeld. I just said Seinfeld before. No one heard you. Yes, I fucking did. Did you hear Josh? No, I did not. I said Seinfeld. I don't think year. you did. Yes, I did. I don't think Why? What's going on with Seinfeld? People anyway. are offended by the, um, not that there's what? anything wrong with that. Um, there, there's uh, the, the soup Nazi they're offended oh. by. Type in Seinfeld offensive. Wait, Seinfeld what? offended. I actually saw a lady wearing the soup Nazi shirt today at Walmart. So, okay. But I, like, I, this. Uh, type in offended, yeah, or offensive. I, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me why people want to deep dive and find stuff that used to be offensive. Oh, wait, go back, go back. Go, go to the, these 13 if, jokes from Seinfeld are offensive now. I mean, yeah. Make it full screen, because I want to read these. Yeah, Sam. Um, I'm, I'm not a big Seinfeld guy anyway, but I'll right. just... Scroll down. I, oh, like, I always enjoy it. But I always like, found I, a lot I, I, of I, but like, Okay, it, the, soup, the soup Nazi is the number one joke. Um, it says, well, maybe well, the most well-known joke from Seinfeld is also one of the most disappointing ones. Maybe in 1995, when the episode titled The Soup Nazi aired, it felt okay for viewers, but in 2018, when groups of neo-Nazis become the bo- no- noticeably embroidered, uh, embroidered Bolden, um, using the term Nazi to label someone as a joke doesn't sit so well anymore. Okay, not that Seinfeld and Larry David aren't Jews themselves. Right. Uh, the Indian giver joke. <laughs> Joking about a Native American person being an Indian giver was never okay, and it's definitely not okay now. Joking that a racial stereotype about an impressed group is actually truthful is a dangerous road, and Seinfeld probably couldn't get away with it, that in 2018. Wow, okay. Kramer stopping on a burning Puerto Rican flag. I don't remember that <laughs> I one. do. The, the two gay guys that were like robbing his armoire. Oh, yeah. Alliance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the episode actually caused a controversy in 1998 when it aired and the New York Times reported that the president of the National Puerto Rican Coalition, Manuel Mar... Mar- shut up. Uh, called an, an uncomfortable unconscious- insult. Um, Mirabelle said, it is unacceptable that the Puerto Rican flag to be, uh, be used in Seinfeld as a stage prop under any circumstances, the New York Times reported. Over 20 years later, the joke is still sour. The joke that someone thinks Jerry and George are in a same-sex relationship. In season 4, episode 17, a journalist thinks that Jerry and George are in a same-sex relationship and it's the basis of the whole episode's worth of bad jokes even if the same joke um reoccurred in friends years later it's really not that funny now not that there's anything wrong in that is one of the most iconic seinfeld lines period yeah um when kramer has house guests from japan they sleep in his dresser drawers (laughs) kramer has visiting japanese businessmen stay in his apartment and since space is limited jerry's neighbor has house guests sleep in the dresser drawers why is that offensive it's first off the joke was his dresser. Small. The dresser was huge. Remember how big yeah. it was? I don't, I don't like, and they liked it. Like, shut up. They thought they went to an internment camp. That'd be fucking weird. Um, when Jerry accidentally gets a man deported, that's f- that episode is great. Yeah, that's fucking classic. Um, again, so much of Seinfeld's humor relies on the misfortunes of its main characters who helplessly fumble in the misunderstandings that often have major consequences for other characters. That's exactly what happens in the episode when Jerry mistakenly causes Babu Barat to be deported. Funny. It's a sorry, uh, Cedric and Bob. Cedric and Bar- um, Bob, the the gay guys again, appeared in three episodes of Seinfeld, including the Puerto Rican Day episode. In each episode, they appear. These two characters who make up a gay couple play up stereotypes of both Latins and homosexual male cultures. Cool. What's when, next going to be Modern Family with them having? I'm sure. Well, no, because that's they're saying it's a modern take on it, so it's okay. Um, when George got caught staring at a teenager's breasts, um, everything about the storyline is awkward, and it's probably enough to make any diehard Seinfeld uh, diehard Seinfeld fan question the show. This is terribly edited. This article yeah. too. All right, the Chinese woman. Go on. Um, if I like their race, how can that I be a racist? Jerry asked Elaine after say after uh, that he after he says that he loves Chinese women. Hopefully the issues that okay what 
Okay. Go. Oh, the pig man they're offended by. Are you kidding? Kramer thinks he sees a pig man at, while at the hospital and later discovers that the person was a fat little mental patient. What's the problem? Shut up. Uh, when George pursues a woman because she can't speak English. In season four, episode 18, George and the crew volunteer to help the elderly. Once George learns that the housekeeper who works at Jerry's assigned uh, patient doesn't speak English, George says he's interested in dating her. A joke here is that George finds women who can't talk to him attractive and ew. His character is supposed to be deplorable and I was awful. about to say, it, it's more of a joke on his character yeah. that he can't get. It's talking about how awful he is. Yeah. All the characters are supposed to be awful. Kramer's the yeah. most morally Same thing sound. With the, Jerry, the Jerry one yeah. with the, him getting deported. Exactly. shows how what an exactly. idiot and shitty person he is. About the handicap spot, classic episode. Oh, yeah. In season four, episode titled "The Handicap Spot," Kramer convinces George to park in a handicap spot. And when the group returns to the car, they learn that a person in the wheelchair got into an accident because the handicap spot was taken. The fact that the big laugh comes because a woman describes the person in a wheelchair as falling down an incline into a wall might make feel a little icky. No, Wait, it makes so, me feel like I wish I saw so, that happen. So on that one, how many times have there been a stand-up bit? Where where they said, oh, I parked in this and like got out and swinging her crutches at me. The fucking like, Dennis Leary, just... the Dennis Leary line in his song "I'm an, I'm an asshole" is I park in handicapped that spaces to see handicapped people make handicapped faces. The asshole song wasn't stolen. A lot of the stand up was no from Louis uh, C K. No, that that's not what he stole. The bit "I'm an asshole," not the song. The song he wrote. No, no, no I understand. Yeah, that. I'm saying the whole um, idea. But um, the joke about George's girlfriend's big nose. What? In the season three's ninth episode, George uh, dates a woman with a large nose, and she decides to get a nose job after Kramer says that she needs one, and it's so wrong on so many levels. As much as you want your fa- uh, your favorite show in the world to withstand the test of time, Seinfeld might have found out that the show is a problematic favorite in many instances. I I don't see one in there that I consider problematic. I, I, There's I, no I, racial slurs. It's playing on um, cultural norms that may be uncomfortable and making humor out of them, which is how you normal make things normal. You make things people realize. But to think that the intent was to be offensive is absurd. I, I just I just think... The handicap spot should show you don't park in a fucking handicap spot. If you're coming away from that thinking that it's just there to make fun of them, no. If you're not getting the whole point of Seinfeld is to show how awful people can be, mm-hmm. then you should not be commenting on anything. This is probably someone that Googled the, the, the best episodes, found something problematic in it, and wrote an article. There's probably 15 people that are like 15 that saw this, saw these episodes and got offended, tweeted about it, and then these What's- bullshit liberal... Articles have to be written because they generate clicks. Fuck them. What? What's even this website? Like Bustle. That their their spelling is terrible. Their grammar is terrible. If Josh scrolls up a little bit, there's like a teacher t-shirt ad on the side that I saw. Keep going up. What? Keep going. That shitty little t-shirt ad. Yeah, it's like. Well, anyway, but like it it goes back into what I've said a thousand times. I just I don't see. Any, there's like, like a, I rub my meat shirt and like this yeah. Is all just, oh, like, I, I just like, I, I'm, Josh is looking at something weird. Yeah. No, those are place well, articles. Wait, wait, look at the top shirt. Josh, I'm an engineer, <laughs> dude. That's weird. That's some fucking Big Brother shit. Dude, they're always listening. I'm telling you, but dude, I, like, I can't, dude. It's it's the microphone thing. No, it's shows. absolutely true. I've done the test before. It mm-hmm. absolutely happens. But, where you talk about something and it pops up on your Facebook ads and shit. Uh, well, that's why, like, I yeah, I, I refuse to well, do my fingerprint reader on well, my I'll iPhone. Say, no, like, I won't no, do it. Look, another perfect yeah. example. Like, uh, uh, my girlfriend a couple of days ago, she was like, like, well, like, what if you ever straightened your beard? See what would happen. Literally an hour later, I go on Instagram and there's a product, a, a, a beard, beard straightener, straightener they yeah. actually make. 
Yeah. Like an hour later. I go, dude, that's Crazy. so fucking no, weird. No, that's that there, that's but, like there's certain things I like there was a, there's something in the city you can get where you can like reserve a parking spot. Like you go on an app and I was like gonna do it and then I'm like, I have to put my fucking license plate number in here. Nope. Fuck that. No shot. No, no. shot. I'd, I'd rather take my chances and no find a spot. Shot. Honestly. I'd rather I, walk six I do blocks. not give out that kind of information willingly. I won't do the fingerprint reader. But, I won't do I will never do like an ancestry or DNA thing. No. They're, there's an all, app like if you um go overseas or something and you're coming back, kind of like skip the line in customs. Yeah, right. On you it, but you have everything. to put in your, your freaking passport information. No, I'm passport, not doing that. Social, Dude, social security yeah. number, all that shit. No shot. Like, like those, those ancestry. I'm sorry. Things, I'll wait an hour. Those ancestry things. The fact that they're solving crime. Not that I've committed any crimes, but no. there's this great Patrice O'Neill bit that he talks about how he's like, I don't litter. And there's one reason. DNA is crazy. One day, I may be walking around drinking a Pepsi can, and I toss it to the side. And two days later, they find a dead white girl next to it. They run that Pepsi can, and suddenly, I'm the Pepsi Cola rapist. (laughs) But, but, I mean, it's... First off, I truly don't care about finding out my heritage. Like, what do I find out? I'm fucking 138th Native American? Cool. Like, am I getting a casino or something? Like, what... what, Finding out your ancestry... 138th, you know. I know some people do it. Oh, um, for, they they do it to find out because they can tell you if you're prone to certain diseases and things like that. Yeah. I'm getting some weird calls. I'm getting a call from Azerbaijan. That's Let's how pick that, it up. That's um, from overseas. Yeah, yeah that's when oh, I'm yeah. watching illegal streams online. <laughs> they but, take your info. But, but anyway, of it. But, but I wanted to go back to back to this this uh, this this Seinfeld nonsense. Like, I'm just tired of fucking people going back and finding stuff that like they want. They're trying to be offended. Could have been wrong or whatever it may be. But the time period, it was fine. Like it goes back to when we talked about when John Wayne. And some racist stuff. Why do people care what John Wade has He's to say dead. now? Why do we care? Hey, like to think that a dude, cowboy long, dude, born in the 1900s. Has, dude, how long has Seinfeld been off the air? Legit. Uh, 21 years. 21 years. Okay. So why? I understand its relevancy. and It's, it's the most and syndicated it's, show on TV and it, still. It's, it it, is, it's yeah. influence on daytime sitcoms or whatever it may be. But daytime. Daytime I, I is just, soap operas. I don't have... I, like, why do people find issues? Like, it's only people just w- looking for their 15 minutes. Yeah, well, That's it's... all it is. I saw a meme. It's like, how is a generation that grown up on The Simpsons and Family Guy so offended? Dude, I'm watching... South Park? I watch, I watch, and all, South Park, I watch, yeah. Well, Simpsons even more so because it wasn't on, like, late night Comedy Central. It was on at 7 o'clock on Sundays and then yeah. on TV every night at 7 o'clock. And I watch The Simpsons almost every day because it's on FXX yeah. every night, a marathon. And there's some stuff I'm like... What? They wouldn't be able to get away with that now. What was no. it? FXX? Yeah, but like... The Simpsons is on every night. Oh, okay. They wouldn't get away with a lot of this stuff now, but people don't realize that ignoring things that happened stops you from evolving. And saying that it's offensive, if you erase it, that means that someone's going to come up with something a lot worse. You're mm-hmm. you're giving people you're by ignoring it, you're empowering people that may have those actual hateful bigotry type views. You're just, you're just feeding into it. Yeah, what you're doing. You're putting like, gasoline on the fire. Is what, exactly what, what you're doing. Why is it unacceptable to poke fun at things that I believe are normal? I think I I have no issue with gay people. It's normal to me. I like poking fun at it. I have no issue with any type of race. I like poking fun at all of them, including white people. Like it's fun to me. Probably make fun of yourself more I than anything. I make fun of myself and Italians more than any other group of people. Like, it's fun to me. It's it's pointing out thing, cultural things that may not be normal to us, but are normal to others. And it's how we learn to understand them a little bit more with things like this. We've all dealt with going to some restaurant or some store where the owner is a complete dickhead. Have yep. we not? Uh-huh. Or some yeah. worker, the soup Nazi. He he won't, for some reason, you're wearing something he doesn't like. You don't. He doesn't like the way you're talking. You sent the food back. We've all dealt with that before. 
calling them a Nazi. It used to be that you could call someone a Nazi. Like we used to call teachers Nazis when they had rule over things. Like yeah. we in high school for our first uh, two until our junior year, we were allowed to wear hats and sunglasses and have headphones on and chew gum. And there were certain teachers that were just Nazis about it. They were like, "This is my class. You do this, this, and that. Here's seven dittos. Get them done by the end of class." Dude, it was Fuck like dittos. It, it was like that. I hated dittos. Dude, it was like, <laughs> dude, it was like that in college, man. Like we, I had this one, I had this one college professor. If you walked in a minute late or like five minutes late, he would stop. In the middle of the lecture and stare you down as you sat at your well, seat and it was like well, why as far as you were saying about like finding these things to be offended by what these liberal left-leaning things are doing is they go on twitter facebook they type in the word offended and they look for someone to say something that um or offensive about something and it's one person said it and someone did it with, I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was like in a major, I think it was like uh, Uproxx, I think it was. They posted this article about it being offensive, and they're posting tweets from people who have like 15 followers. So you're making an article that's going to go to millions of people based on the voice of one person that no one cares about. Right. And make it look like it's this outrage thing. Because people see other people outraged, and these people that think that you have to bend to everyone's feelings, like, oh, well, I should be angry about it, too. No, be angry about the things that affect you. Seinfeld doesn't affect your life. You know what you don't like it? Don't fucking watch it. Dude, Pretty simple. I, I'm telling you, just screaming smack from the cheap seats. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. All, all right, doing. I got to pause quick because I got to call Mark Coleman before we jump on with him. So hang tight. This is uh, the show. All right, and now on the line we have UFC Hall of Famer, uh, Pride Grand Prix champion, uh, one of my favorite fighters ever, Mark the Hammer Coleman. Mark, what's going on, man? The myth, the legend. Uh, Well, I'm doing pretty good, but I I asked you for 15 minutes, but I really needed 20 because I'm not done shit. I'm on the shitter as as we speak. uh, (laughs) I guess that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I I, did you have like I a big? Guess, did you have a big meal last night, and that's why you're still stuck? Well, I don't know what it's from, but I'm still stuck. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. We went to a baseball game the other day, and we ate oh. so much that I was that was me at work yesterday. I was so I felt ma- terrible. I missed like at least an hour at work. Just so many on the hot dogs, dude! Oh my god! <laughs> well, it's a peaceful place to be. It absolutely. It's one of the few places where I feel like myself. <laughs> It's like a totally yeah. So, We're good, man. So, How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, man. I got to tell you, it's really cool talking to you. Um, I actually did get to meet you back in uh, New Jersey, back at uh, before UFC 128. Um, and I, you know, I go to all the events when they're nearby. And when I met you, it's one of the few times I was a little like, holy shit, because I was watching you back when I was when you were in the UFC UFC 10. That was like what 1998, I think 97, 98. 97. Yeah, I was I was watching with my dad and my brother, and I was all of eight years old. And um, yeah. I, when I meet you, and one of the things I loved about seeing you was there were these guys coming up asking for autographs over and over again, and you were the only fighter I've ever seen call them out for going out and selling it for four or five hundred bucks on eBay. You were like, "You're gonna go sell this shit and make money off me? Why don't you just be honest with me?" Yeah, but I was joking when I said. <laughs> yeah, that. I know. You were you were you were was, you were I, nasty I joking, about it. But at the, at the same time, uh, Dana White made it clear to us. Look, you got those guys down in the basement. They've been sitting there all day with with gloves, and and they give you they give you ten pitchers. They suck you in with ten pitchers. Then all of a sudden, they ask you to sign twenty of them, and they want you to sign some pride gloves and this and that. He says you're just hurt yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just hurt yourself because um, I I'm the one that busted my ass for forty five years. Yeah, right? I mean you you've why, been. Why should, you, why should I just, uh, you know, let, 
okay, I'll sign a glove for you, but let me. what's your name? Yeah, exactly. Well, if, if that's the thing. The way you handled it, because I've seen fighters that don't necessarily handle fans like that well, you were coming off, like, jokingly. Like, you were, like, saying, like, hey, I know what you're doing, like... But, but you were really cool about it. You know, there, there's, there are a few fighters that don't handle it as well, but I was absolutely a little starstruck when I met you. I mean, you're an NCAA champion. You play seventh in the 92 Olympics, UFC 10 winner, first UFC heavyweight champion. You came back at UFC 100 and beat Stefan Bonner, where I'll admit, I didn't think you were going to win, and when you won, I went nuts. I was like, holy shit. Like, uh, I, no yeah, one no yeah. one gave you a chance in that fight. You said, fuck well, you, you said, fuck you, Tito, to Tito Ortiz after awesome. a fight, which I absolutely loved. I love it. <laughs> well, that's a that's a complicated situation there because uh, um, Tito had every right to be pissed off at me, but really it wasn't me. It was my manager that talked uh, shit about his wife and stuff and that. Well, I don't go there, you know. Yeah, Tito, no, you've you've never been like that. I mean, you guys. No, are, I, I, I can call I can call Tito a douchebag to it. You know, that's fair game. But I'm not going to ever talk about somebody's family. No, right. My manager did this without me having any clue what he was doing. And all of a sudden, I had people calling me saying, you got to check this article out that you, your manager did. And I, when I read it, I was just disgusted. I was so pissed. And, uh, well, Tito was pissed, obviously, because he still felt like I had something to do with that. And then, one, then eventually, we had to do a four-man... Um, Jay Glazer was the host, and that was me, Tito, I think Randy Couture, and I forget who the fourth guy was. But we, you know, that's the first time I'm going to see Tito since that came out. And I walked right up to him. He was, they was getting him ready with the makeup, and I walked right up to him. He looked over at me, and his face just went mean, real mean. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said, look, Tito, I'm going to tell you straight up, I had absolutely nothing to do with that garbage that's garbage i said uh i had nothing to do with it and i can call you a douchebag to you i can call you a douchebag but i would never say nothing about your wife or kids or family or not like that that's crossing the line yeah I think that that was he, looked, he looked at me and he thought about it for a little bit and then i had had my hand out for a handshake and he shook my hand and uh we squashed it so. Well, that that's cool because I, I like I said, I, I I was laughing when after the post fight interview when you said "fuck you, Tito." And I do remember all the articles being on like Bloody Elbow and MMA Mania when all that was going on about. I think it was when he was still with Jenna Jameson, correct? Yes. Well, yeah. what happened is I just got I just got my you know I just got rape choked by Randy Couture, and uh, Tito comes up and he said, "Paybacks are a bitch." Call my paybacks are a bitch. Yeah, and then that's when I turned around and Joe had to. And I think Rogan had the mic in my hand. I grabbed it and said, you know, I yelled out the F you to him and and this and that. But paybacks, uh, you didn't pay me back just now. Randy Couture just beat me. He had nothing to pay me back for. But you, you have something to pay me back for. But really, you're wrong because I had absolutely nothing to do with what was said about. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been, you were in the sport for, you know, from the, the early days, and you were never someone to, to go that personal route. I mean, your, your camp at Hammer House, you had, you know, you had guys that talked a lot, but you were never one of them to get like that at all, ever. Not that I ever, you and Kevin Randleman never went that route. Well, 
Kevin could give one heck of an interview. Oh, Rest he was. He was. Yeah. Rest in peace. I mean, I love. I miss. I love my. I love him so much. I miss him so much. But uh, he was Kevin one of the was best men. Kevin was pretty damn good on the mic, and uh, and he was awesome in the cage when he was prepared. When he prepared properly, he was a he was a tough man to handle. But sometimes you you we've. You step into the cage and you know you're not prepared. Well, you guys, you guys were probably one of the camps I can think of the most that would fight no matter how injured you are. You guys like never pulled out of fights back in the day. Yeah, for the most part, that's Hamrouse. Yeah, you know, we did that. We got in there, and but back on the monster, he had more charisma than any. Oh person. my God, he did. I mean, I, but I at think... the same time, don't get me wrong. Just prior to you know, right when it's getting close to the fight, he would turn into the monster. Yeah, completely different. That's all I ever heard about him was like, you know, before uh, leading up to a fight, you know, the friendliest, most energetic guy. But then the fight starts, and both you guys hit that switch where it was just a completely different ball game. And oh, I'm, I'm talking like, uh, you know, when it's getting close, he would turn into the the, the monster because, uh, hey, this is we're not playing marbles out there. We're we're going in. We're going in getting ready for a war. Yeah. So yeah, there there is. Some some fear and demons you got to battle heading into that, and, and it, it can cause you to, you know, you know, say some things you don't want to say because over in Japan, uh, like they would sick, they would always have one person following you around the whole time. Well, they put two on random and followed him around. <laughs> and uh, one one time before uh, his fight, he's like, I need. They kept bringing those bento boxes with uh, the the some fish and some rice this and that and random and just we didn't know how good they were because we just never tried and we didn't trust them but then uh then phil Brony came over there with me once and he ate 10 of them and i said what i said what the heck well it was his cheat day of course because the Brony's, uh you know he, he's the one that convinced me i don't need to be that much bigger and still carry around five pounds of you know extra right around the waist just like putting a five pound weight on your back he's the one that convinced me because uh, one time we're out eating sushi we're eating healthy this and that i got a fight coming up and well then i ordered two pieces of shrimp tempura well i felt his eyeballs look at me and he didn't say nothing the first night but we went right back there the second day and he had the he you know he had the guts to say you eat like a freaking pig. <laughs> you never you, you never looked like it. I'll tell you that much. You were a specimen. Well, sometimes I mean if you look closely and and, and and I said what are you talking about, Phil? I'm a heavyweight and I need to be big. He goes, well, no, you don't. He goes, you don't need to be big with an extra five pounds around your waist. He goes, you're not going to lose any strength. And he had to convince me, and uh, he was. He finally got through to me to to eat clean, real clean. I was eating not eighty percent clean, but I needed to boost it up to ninety five. It makes all and the this, difference in the world, yeah. Well, and, it did. Cause this was right before the show, right before the Shogun Hua fight, the first Shogun Hua fight, and I came in weighing two twenty four. Yeah, I, but I was. That I was actually gonna, I was going to actually ask you about that fight because the way it ended, obviously, I don't know if my uh, my guys in the studio, my co-hosts know about it, but I've seen that Shog- fight, yeah. Shogun landed awkwardly and broke his arm, and you didn't realize it, so you were just continuing the fight. And, you know, between Hammer House and Shoot the Box, two of the most hot-headed camps out there, it escalated very quickly. Um, and, you know, you, you even handled it so well because you understood completely why they responded like that because your, your camp's a family and their camp's a family. And um, well, it, go, yeah, go on. 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Pride gave me three months' notice, and they did not want me to win that fight. Shogun Hua was their up-and-coming star, and usually when they don't want you to win, they let Shogun Hua know he's going to be fighting me in three months, but then they normally, for example, when I fought Crow Cop, uh, they let Kokop know months earlier, and he brought in five Russian wrestlers to teach him how to stop my double leg. And, and uh, they, they gave me two weeks notice. They called me up, and I said, hell no, I'm not fighting Kokop. Are you kidding me? I'm sitting, <laughs> right I'm sitting on the couch right now drinking a beer. <laughs> no, but you know, that's, their tactic is they do that. And then I say, they say, okay, and then they up, they up the money offer a little bit. And I say, no, a little bit quieter. And they up it another notch, and I say no, a little bit quieter. And they they up it another notch, and I'm like, oh man, how can I say no? Yeah. Well, they said last offer, Coleman, and I said, oh jeez. And basically, you, you sold your soul to the devil because there's no way I'm going to beat Krokop with two weeks and, training. Yeah, and that was in Krokop. Uh, not only did he bring in the Russian wrestlers, it gave him one of the best takedown defense games uh, in the sport. On top of it. And he was a, a monster as what well, as is. So yeah, well, I got out there. And I'm facing Krokop, and here we go. I'm gonna. I got about. I got to get him on the ground quick because I don't have a big gas tank today. And I shot my first double leg, and I ran into two tree trunk steel poles of a leg. His sprawl was advanced. It was not. It was an advanced sprawl. He sprawled and he circled. Yeah. You don't just. You know, that's, that's advanced wrestling. And I realized right then, oh, geez, man, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. So yeah. I, gave, I, gave it, I gave it three or four attempts, and then I pretty much, uh, I didn't quit, but I knew the, the, the I knew the, I knew it was just a matter of time. But he had told the promoters he's going to left high kick me to the head. His patented left leg high kick to my head. Uh, I wasn't going to go out like that, so I definitely had my hand pinned up against my left head but I, I you know I didn't have you know, I, there, there just wasn't no options you know, I couldn't take him down and I'm certainly not going to be able to trade with this guy yeah. well, and, it, uh, it was it's funny that you mentioned how pride like they set that up because I remember when um Rampage Jackson made his Pride debut. He had talked about he fought against Sakuraba in his debut, and he said that Pride offered him money backstage to, um, I guess, keep the fight standing rather than go to the ground or, or go to the ground rather than keep it standing because obviously Sakuraba was one of their prizes over there, one of their top guys. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like it's. I mean, obviously, all these years later, we know about how Pride operated business as much. Pride's my favorite organization I've ever watched, but we know that they, you know, they had their guys they had to prop up. They had some sneaky tricks to help build that into the powerhouse. Was it was some sneaky tricks and some, you know, obviously some stuff that you know, leave it at that. But uh, yeah, Quinn, Quinn, uh, they wanted exciting fights. They, well, they wanted exciting fights. And sure. And, well, one of the fights you know, they, I, I wanted to ask you about, and this might be a, a sore subject, but you know, the Pride Five with Takata. Um, there was a lot of controversy about you losing that fight, and I think your quote yeah. was that you know I needed money. Um, so it more or less is that kind of what the situation was. Well, you know, just uh, they gave me two weeks' notice, and uh, it was supposed to be a pro wrestling match. That's how they pushed it to me, and uh, had to feed the kids. You did what you, you had know, to do. Later. Leave it, leave it at that. But he, he got me, and he got me. That's you know? it. But well, another one of you. Guys, take it, take it for what it is. I, you know, I, I, but, 
I will tell you, one of my all-time favorite MMA moments, and I, I would be a terrible fan if I didn't ask about this, was after you won the Pride 2000 Grand Prix and your yeah. ce- your celebration. Um, yeah. I, I, I got to yeah. tell you, uh, you know, if you fell, it's a famous GIF and video. I have the DVD box set of it. It's one of my favorite possessions I have. Um, you know, and the way you, I got to tell you, if that was me, I would have just sat there and be like, I just got to roll out of here. You got up and you you look happier than anyone could look ever. And I mean, now now it's got to be. Uh, how, what was your what was your thoughts as that happened and you came down crashing to the mat? Well. Uh... Yeah, I got a little emotional just hearing that because I am, I have made, you know, I, I've been, I, you know, I've been pretty down since uh, the UFC cut me after the Tour fight. I'm not going to deny it. it's been a six years of uh, battling with, uh, you know, depression. Yeah. And uh, so I made some bad choices and I haven't really done much. I kind of went into hibernation, but right now I'm in a good place. I'm sober. Congratulations, that's fantastic. Congratulations, man. Yes, I mean, yes, it's so important. It's the only way, you know, it's the, it's the only way for me. Yeah. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot control and the courage to change the things I can. I, you know, I live by that Amen. now. And, that's awesome. And, and, and there's, you know, it's all about standing upright and being confident. That's, that's, that's where I'm at right now. There's still some... Uh, there's, there, there's still still some demons that I'm battling, but you know what? I think it's, it comes out in my voice. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm making another comeback. Yeah, uh, you can't keep the hammer down. You talk about the Grand Prix. Well, you know, I nobody gave me a chance at winning that. No, thing. they well, didn't. I gave myself a chance at winning that thing, and, and that's I, all you needed, bro. A, I I had a great eight month training camp, and I went into that thing. Relative, you know, relatively super healthy and and in probably the best shape of any fight that I ever been into. And you and, went through some dogs in that uh, too, Igor. You had to fight who was an animal. Well, you know, you you know, I got I caught some breaks during the tournament, but at the same time, I don't. It wouldn't have mattered. You know, I was ready to. I was, you know, I was going to mark Kerr, for example. Yes, yeah. smashing you know, smashing machine. Yeah. That was going to be a hell of a battle, but uh, we lost. And then Fujita got hurt. Well, Pride made a big mistake. They they should have they should have brought in the alternate, which was supposedly going to be Wanderlei Silva, because Fujita was hurt. But they did. They told him uh, if he don't get out there and fight, he's not going to get his third place prize money, you know, or whatever. And and so they sent him out there and. Uh, People don't realize that in the, in official record books, it was a two second win. I'm pretty sure that's the fastest yeah. victory in MMA history. Yes. But people don't people don't acknowledge it or recognize it. I don't blame them. I'm just saying, uh, Clyde blew that one because uh, I was I I would have, you know, you create your own luck. And uh, yes, it was the Lord on my side that night. Yes, he was, but it wouldn't have mattered. I was going to beat Igor. No matter what, because I was ready to go for a for a long time. Kerr, Kerr would have been a Kerr would have been a classic. It would have been a classic battle, but oh man, I'm that very, would have been. I'm, I'm very confident I had his number because I I, I had beaten him in wrestling three times, and uh, I was kind of his mentor. Yeah, a little bit, and well, I just I knew I was going to beat Kerr. It was going to be a tough one, and then I had it all planned out. Here's how I was going to go. Then I got Igor in the finals. And it was supposed to be a 20-minute time limit, 
Well, the day before, they changed the rule and said it's going to be a no time limit fight. And I was, I just, it just crushed my heart because I said, "Oh my gosh, you know, I, Igor, how I didn't, I didn't visualize how I was going to be able to finish this guy because I know this guy can fight for two hours." Yeah. And I, I'm not too sure if I can go for two hours, so I didn't know how I was going to beat this guy. Plus, they changed the rule. You couldn't knee a, you, you weren't able to knee a downed opponent to the head. And, uh, well, that was one of my yeah, best weapons. When people, when people sprawled for you to take them down, their, their head's there. Why wouldn't you knee the shit out of them? Well, they, they sprawl, and I come up. I'm in a front headlock position, and then, yeah, I like to fire the knees from right there, but... You couldn't do it when the guy was face down, but you were allowed to knee a guy that was on his back to the head, which doesn't make any sense, I guess. But, uh, you know, how are you going to get somebody on his back? All you got to do is belly down. I can't knee him anymore. But I was, I somehow got him stuck in that corner. And I just heard Pat Militech, you know, bless him. He was, you know, I, 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 one of the best. Saw my own. I, I just, uh, I was ready. I trained myself for eight months, like a kind of like a grind, you know, like a wrestling grind to become a national champion. It's an eight month grind to get there. But then I showed up at Militech's for about the last two weeks, and he probably anticipated me showing up, uh, maybe needing to fine tune the cardio. But I showed up, and he put me through one hell of a grind in the first practice, and then we went and hit the famous hill out there. He had that famous hill that you had to run, and yep. I thought practice was o- I thought practice was over, and uh, go home, get something to eat, lay in bed, and get ready for tomorrow. But then he looks at me and says, "Well, you you ready to go run some hills?" <laughs> and uh, you know, but I just said, "Sure, let's go." You know, yeah. I feel good. And then I went to the famous hill, and uh, I ran up that bitch nine times, like he asked. Yeah. And, uh, Would and you? He realized he knew I was in shape. You know, he knew I was in shape. He just had uh, he's a incredibly smart man. He just figured out one of the best coaches. He's one of the best coaches there's been. He was one of the first guys to really introduce that kind of cross training that became what mixed martial is mixed martial arts is now. He's brilliant and I, I still had uh, uh I still had some money from that damn fight for because like, I didn't take care of him, but it's just something that at right. the time I didn't think about it, you know. Yeah. And uh, but he he's made it clear. I asked him down the road, I said, well, you think I can come out there and train with you guys again? He's like, well, you think maybe you can pay me? Yeah. I mean, pay me to train you? I said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. You know, I owe you, Pat, I know, but uh, uh, give me some time. I said, when I get the money, I'm going to, I owe him and I love him and I'll get him some money. I'll get him some money when I make it. Right now, um, 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 back, you Good. know, don't don't count the hammer out. No, I there's there's they, 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 listen. they counted me out for dead uh, before the two thousand Grand Prix against Stephen Bonner, I, man. I, I'm one of your biggest fans, and I thought Bonner was going to beat you. I was I was so thrilled well, yeah, that I was wrong. Everybody did, you know. But guess what? I had a good training camp. Yeah, and you took advantage of his his mediocre wrestling, and you controlled the fight, and you beat the hell out of him on top. It was uh, uh that like I I'll reference that fight pretty regularly as like one of my ten favorite moments because of the fact that me as a fan of yours didn't give you a chance. I I was I was thrilled to be wrong. There's a, I I love being right, but there's certain times I'm happy to be wrong, and that was one of those times. Well, the Grand Prix, I was kind of out for the yeah. dead. And then the Shogun Hula fight, 
Yeah. They it, gave me no chance. Well, they made a mistake. They gave me no chance. They made a mistake, and they let me know three months in advance that I'm going to be fighting him because they didn't think there was any way in hell I could beat him. So yeah, because that was like 23-year-old Shogun Hua who was just everything Prime in pride Shogun, at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they, they gave me three months, and little did they know, you know, I'm... I'm I'm going to train, and uh, I'm, I'm. They don't bet your house against me. Hell yeah! So would you say that the said. would you say that the Pride 2000 Grand Prix is like the highlight of your fighting career? Is that like your number one moment personally? This is no. It's just so hard to separate. Uh, UFC 10 was just yeah. Just, UFC 10 was amazing. I I really the Dom Pride fight. Um, I I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, it was uh, he. He's one of my best friends now. I love him to death, but everybody asks who's the toughest fighter you ever fought. I say toughest or best. You know, when it comes to I was toughness, ask. Yeah. Don Fry. Don Fry, is, baby. He's the toughest because I beat him and I, I was getting scared. You know, why aren't they stopping this? Why aren't yeah, they you stopping put a pounding this? on him. Yeah, a bad one. And uh, they should have, you'll never see a fight like that ever no, again. No. They'll, they'll never let anything go like that. Someone, and, uh, if that happened now, someone would lose a job. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because uh, it was bad and I was getting scared. Uh, I honestly felt like I'm going to have to kill this guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to kill him and I'm not I'm not a killer. No, I'm a, I'm a, you're a gentle I'm a, man. I'm a, I'm a, I like to win. Yeah, you're But I don't, don't want to kill. You're a competitor. I'm a competitor. I'm a, I've been a competitor since I came out of my mama's. Uh, the day she pushed me out, I was doing push-ups. So, so you <laughs> said that you said that Don Fry was your toughest opponent, and I was going to ask you. You know, you're someone that fought Fedor Emelianenko twice. Right. Who was your best opponent? Well, let's go through the list. I, I mean, mean, you fought to, who's who? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I would have to go with Fedor, but then you got Nogueira, then you got Krokop, then you got Shogun. Uh, the beast Severn at the time was, was was in his prime. I um, I'm skipping somebody. You know, Pedro Hizzle was. I, I fought all all my losses. Uh, you know, nine out of the ten losses. Uh, all nine of those guys were either ranked number one or number two in the world at the time when I fought them. So I fought I fought ten world champions. You know, and I fought more than it. I beat because a lot of those I lost, but I I, I squeaked out. I was past my prime when I started, you know. When I started UFC, I was 31 years old. I mean, I was still in my prime right then, I'd say, but it quickly goes downhill fast because the clock ticked fast. And, uh, you know, I I held on and I fought as long as I could. Thank the Lord. I, You know, I, I was... I made it till I was 45 years old. Now, you're not going to ever see anybody in it. No, God. no. 45, and then Couture was 46. That'll, that, that's a... That's a record that'll never be broken. No, no they shot. I mean, by, they're, they're not, they don't make them like you guys anymore. I mean, they, they, I remember the the one the fight that I remember the first time where you look you were vulnerable. Obviously, was the Maurice Smith fight, and you know that was a, a brutal, brutal fight for you. I uh, kicked the hell out of your legs. Well, I just uh, I just posted a picture of uh, the after. The, the after picture of my legs. If you want to go to Instagram, follow me at Instagram, Mark D. Coleman, and look up that picture. Uh, I don't think people liked me posting it because it, 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 it it's it's horrible. It's ugly picture. My legs from my ass to my ankles, both of them were 
We're looking at it right now, actually. Oh, my God. You have a sad face I, in the picture, too. Yeah. <laughs> what you say? You have a sad face in the picture. Like, oh, this is going to be rough sitting on the... Yeah, you're going to have trouble taking a shit for a while after that. Oh, yeah. Well, but it, that, that fight, I don't, you know, I don't know how... Because I didn't train. You know, it's the truth. I don't want to make an excuse. But I, when I beat Dan Severn, I was never... Uh, uh, arrogant, uh, underestimate anybody in wrestling or in fighting. But after I beat Severn, I'm reading about myself on the internet. It went to my head. I got to fight a kickboxer. I was telling myself, oh, well, this is going to be an easy one. And, uh, well, Frank Shamrock was his coach. And about two months before the fight, he probably seen the arrogance in me. And he said, hey, said, hey, Coleman, uh, you better train for me. He said, you know I'm Coach Maurice, right? I go, I said something like, you know, that's too bad for you. Uh, you know, I was, you know, he looked at me and said, oh, man, he goes, Coleman, I'm telling you, you better just train. That's all I'm saying. As your friend, you better train. I didn't listen. And, uh, well, I damn near killed him in the first three minutes. Well, mm-hmm. it's not a three. He survived, and it's not a three-minute fight. I took a break. Big John was just about ready to stop the fight, he told me later. He was just about ready to stop it when I took a break. I made eye contact with Maurice Smith. He didn't say nothing at that point, but I read his eyes. I read his mind. He's like, yep, yep, Coleman, you're already getting tired, and we got 20 minutes to go. Yeah, and that it, was, uh, and then the next fight was uh, the famous Pete Williams knockout, yeah, right. which, you know, it ended up on every Ultimate Knockouts highlight, and that was just, uh, yeah. he was one of the young guns at Lions then, and um, yeah. that, that was, you know, but yeah, that's why one of the reasons going into Pride, everyone wrote you off. You lost four in a row to Maurice Smith, Pete Williams, Pedro Izzo, and then you come to Pride and lose to Takata, and then you do the Grand Prix, and you ran through everyone there, and then, you know, the opponent you went on to face after that, you know, you fought Nogara. Don Fry, and then uh, again going back to Fedor. I've always heard when it comes to Fedor, Fedor, then... Fedor again, and then uh, Shogun Hulo rematch, and yep. then Stephen Bonner, and then finish out with the great Randy Couture. Which uh, that's that's really one of my. I just hate the fact that my career ended on that note because uh, I was uh, in pretty good, pretty good shape, but just pretty good, you know, and then, and then when he come walking into, I'm going to put you in the string to hold baby and the crowd went nuts. I'm standing in the cage. My confidence was slowly going down. And then he walked into the cage. I looked over at him and I said, damn, he's a lot bigger than I remember. Cause we had trained, we had practiced together a few times, 15 years out earlier. And, uh, I'm not going to say I manhandled him, but I was the, much bigger, stronger person yeah. at the time. And now this time he walked in, I looked at his legs, I looked at him, I'm like, geez, he's pretty big. So- and then uh, I went out there and I just froze up. I, I mean, I absolutely just froze. I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on anything. And then I couldn't go to my bread and butter because uh, he was a damn good wrestler. And I, yeah. I, was, I, I couldn't take him down. And uh, he's a much better boxer than me. And he was like... Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of head movement in case you didn't notice. And he was just picking me apart, you know, a straight jab. And I, the first punch was a straight jab. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, you dumbass, move your head a little bit. But, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I, the one thing I wanted to ask is, you know, you said you fought Fedor twice. And he's one of the few fighters I've heard his opponents say going into a fight with him. Uh, seeing Fedor, he almost had this like aura because he was yeah, such a. Not all, he didn't almost have the aura. He had the aura. That guy was uh, like a god. 
walking in. When he walked in, his presence uh, so peaceful, so calm, and that's him. Yeah, and, and then the, then the fight starts, and he's just a, a wrecking ball. He, you know, I always think about when. Kevin Randleman, German suplexed him right onto his neck, and then a minute and a half later, he's on top of him and submits him. And the fact that that didn't kill him, it, the, the calmness just has to be so off-putting when you're about to fight this guy, and he looks like he could be doing anything else in the world. Well, it was uh, it was like an inch and a half off. If Kevin would have had it just an inch different, it would have yeah. killed him. Yeah. It might have killed him. It might have broke his neck, but he missed it by like a half inch, and Fedor was tucked his head just enough. He broke his and, ribs, though, uh, I think, on impact. Didn't Fedor yeah. break at least one rib when he landed? I have no idea. I never heard that story, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, once uh, that was that was Kevin's one chance right there. And then, you know, Fedor calmly just quickly reversed him and uh, put him in a key lock, and uh, that, that was that. But uh, his opportunity passed. So, so and then, then you say Randall has got some of the, the that that and the knockout of Crow Cop. Yeah, and uh, he's got other highlights that people never seen. Where he was north south on somebody. Oh my God, he was. He, uh, would, he would jump up in the air with both legs, and he would come down and he would fire one knee. And he'd fire the other knee before he hit the ground. I've never seen anybody. No, do he was. He's, that guy was a freaking. Like I look at the way that he was such a physical specimen. And there's this guy that's in WWE now named Bobby Lashley, and they talk about his physique, and I'm like, yeah, but he ain't Kevin Randleman. Like I always think about that guy was just such a freak. He was such a good athlete, and everything I've ever read about him and seen with him, he was such a, a uh, an awesome individual. And sounds like you know, obviously one of your best friends in the world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got to coach him in college, and he came to college as a, um, I mean, he was a state champion, but when he got there, he wasn't happy there. And the story about that is I walked into the first practice, and uh, I just won the Nationals a year earlier. Ohio State had hired me as a coach, and I came uh, I came strolling into the first practice where they all the guys were up against the wall, and the head coach was giving them uh, the first day talk and I, I walked in uh, Hammer House style about two three minutes late and I walked in and I'm checking out the new meat the new the new meat and see what we got here you got 50 guys and you can't have 50 guys there wasn't enough space for 50 guys so you got to weed them out you got to weed out the guys and the only way to weed them out is by you know a lot of guys want to they, they just want to be on the team well we don't have space for your people that just want to be on the team so you got to you clean them out real quick, you know. You're able to clean out, clean them out real quick, so you got the space needed. But uh, Randleman, you know, he—I uh, was coaching the upper weights, and he was right in there. He was not—he wasn't an upper weight. He weighed about 175, but he—he he fought at 158 that year. So, so I really didn't see him much at all. Uh, the, the, you know, I was up coaching my guys, and he was down. And, and honestly, he was. Uh, Everybody was putting it to him. He wasn't happy being there. He liked going home every week to Sandusky, and uh, you know. And then I found out something later. Uh, so I had dealt with him. We came back from Christmas break, and we're in the weight room, and I'm in there getting ready to. You know, the weights were they were they were my baby. You know, that strength yeah is a tech, strength is a technique. It's a very absolutely. important technique. Absolutely, it is. And I started lifting weights when I was ten years old. 
and I didn't miss. I did not miss a weight training session because I knew strength was. Uh, I when I was a kid, any problem I ever had, I said I just got to get bigger, faster, stronger. And uh, random and walks by, and I said, hey. I asked him if he wanted to, wanted to be my partner today. He looked at me like kind of in shock a little bit, like, you want to train with me? I said, yeah, you know, I ain't got nobody party. You want to train? He's like, well, hell yes, I do. And then we trained, and I find out later after that, after that first training session, because we had all eyes on us. By the end of that training session, everybody in the room was watching me and him just yanked. You know, we didn't, we didn't, you know, we, I was old school. We wasn't in the technique. We was in the put as much weight on that thing as you can and, and get you it. You guys were all massive individuals from Baroni to Wes Sims to Randleman, you. Get it down and pull that weight any way you can. Get it on the lap, pull down, stack that thing up and, 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 and rip it, you know. But so, anyways, Randleman runs home that day. I find out later he ran home and he called his mom and he said, Mom, he likes me. <laughs> he was all excited. You made a huge impact well, on him. That's cool, well, though. I didn't know this, but he he was under the impression that I didn't like him and I potentially was a racist or something like that, and I didn't have any clue about this. And, and uh, well, no, Kevin, I just, uh, I mean, I was coaching the upper weights, and but we, after that first weight training session, I said, look, dude, I said, you can be my partner every day. And uh, and he said, hell yes. And he did whatever I asked. I couldn't, it was hard to break that guy. He would do whatever. I'm trying to break him. And I, I got him doing 50 rep sets sometimes just trying to get him to quit. He just would never quit. I just, just keep taking more weight off. He's down to just bench pressing the bar. Yeah. And uh, I'm spotting him. But he just, he wouldn't quit until I pulled it back and racked the weights. He was a, he was an animal. And that was I was I was installing my mentality into him, and he went from getting his butt whooped by everybody in the room, and uh, then I I got him on the mission and and got him in that weight room, and he put on like twenty pounds pretty quick. He got bigger, stronger. He, he was a, he was a he was a freak. He was like he looked like he was just a genetic freak with a ridiculous work ethic. Yeah, he was definitely blessed by the Lord with genetics, but at the same time, at that, you got to still add to them genetics. And, and yeah. uh, well, he went home. It was you know time for summer break. I said, "Look, Kevin," I said, "Listen, I showed you the way." I said, "When I see you in three months," I said, "I fully expect to see you, you know, bigger, and I fully expect." All the things we've done, I fully expect your your max to go way up. So when I see you in three months for the beginning of next year, that's what I'm expecting out of you, Kevin. Don't go home and do what a lot of people do. It's the summer, it's the all season, you're going to go out and have a lot of fun. Well, no, he came back and I looked at him and yes, he came back the monster. Hell yeah. He went from getting beat by just about everybody in our room to take he took second in the country that year he took he could have yeah. won it he could have easily won it as a for not easily but he could have won it he beat the guy he lost to in the big tens two weeks earlier and then uh, they had a hell of a match going and uh, I forget his name Mark Ryland from Iowa you know, okay I got a bad I got a bad memory horrible memory but I there's things that I, I just can remember Mark Ryland was his name from Iowa he had the 
he had a patented move that he used on everybody, and he pinned probably 30 guys that year, and uh, uh, ran them in and beat them in a, in a crazy, like, uh, 12 to 10 match in the Big Tens. And no sounds like it was a bat. It sounds like it was a total battle. Yes, uh, the fans were going nuts, and uh, Gable, Dan Gable, and Roy Salzer were, were in. Uh, uh, shit, I can't now. I can't remember the guy he had, but they had a they had a big rivalry going. He wrestled that guy like five times. Wow! You know? I think it was right five times throughout that year. Somehow they you know they met here, they met there, they met there. Maybe it was only four, three, or but uh, but uh, so you Gable said you and, you Gable and, Gable and Alger were in his corner, and it was me and Russ Ellison in the other corner. So. You know, that, that match was so... Because Gable wanted to beat Randall in so bad. He wanted to beat him so bad because that's just Gable. Yeah. Gable was well, one of the best ever. Time. Yeah. The it, best ever. Now, Chael Sanderson, Chael Sanderson's put his market as... Yeah. Oh, man. Right with Dan Gable. But Dan Gable, I got the honor of having him coach me in the Pan American Games in the first practice I went through. Uh... It's not like other coaches don't ask you to work hard, but Dan Gable had the aura of him. And when he's watching you... You don't want to let him down. Usually, well, usually when a coach is watching you, you're going to go hard, but as soon as he turns his back and walks away, a lot of guys would just hug each other and take a little break. Again. But when yep. Dan Gable walked away, you could still feel his eyeballs staring at you, so... Certain uh, but, guys, but, but, cer- certain guys but, like that, just have that. Um, they they have that effect when they're in a room. It's like you some don't. Guys, Dan Gable had it. He yeah. Had it. And, uh, but but anyways, uh, that Big Ten match, it was uh, him and Roy Salzer in their corner, and then uh, the the crowd was they was screaming and booing Randall because he had the lead, and he went into the when you got a lead in Russell, let's face it, you gotta you gotta go into you know you don't want to stall, but. He just slowed down, and the Iowa fans thought he should be getting called for stalling or whatever. And it, they started actually; they were throwing shit on the mat. After oh that shit! Match. <laughs> it was it was crazy. And then me and Gable, uh, Helixson was staring at Gable. I'm staring at Alger. And are we going to come over and you know turn this into a MMA fight here? <laughs> no. That would have been something. A first. Yeah, that would have been something, but. We'll go back to the pride. I keep jumping around. I always do this, but we'll go back to the pride well, after. I wanted to you know, ask had... you a specific question. You said that you know you're you're actually you're in a good place. You're sober. That's amazing to hear. Congratulations. I know you had yes. some you had some health issues a few years back. I remember uh, West oh, yeah. West West Sims West Sims started uh, a GoFundMe for you, which yes. uh, I, I, yes. I I I contributed to. I talked to West when it was going on. I was happy oh, to see you. you. West West. I want to thank everybody right now that gets a chance to hear this. That was I was overwhelmed. I was so emotional during the whole time, and uh, um, you know it was my second one. The first hip got the first hip got infected septically. I knew something was wrong. It, it had popped out six times. Oh, you know, and, and wow. you can only imagine the pain. Yeah, with when a hip pops out of socket. You can't move. It's uh, I've never experienced pain like that, and I don't. I don't. Hope, I hope I never have to do that again. But it had popped out six times, and my surgeon was. He just kept telling me, "Well, you're breaking protocol." I'm like, "I'm not breaking protocol. Something's wrong, man." But finally, he decided. Uh, he decided he was going to go in there and put a bigger ball in the socket so it don't slip out so easy. And 
wasn't too sure that was the answer. And sure enough, when he cut me open, uh, it was it was so fully infected with staff. It basically squirted out and hit him, hit him in the face. Oh. You know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was just, of course, I'm out. But this is what I'm told later. Yes, uh, he, he opened me up with a, a quick 40-minute procedure. Well, a forty-minute procedure turned into a four-hour procedure, Ooh. and uh, they had to take the original hip out. He had to go in there and squirt out all. He had to clean out as much stuff as he could. They had to put a temporary hip in. I was on a pick line for three months, and Jeez. had to get rid of that infection. And finally, I went back in. He had to cut me open again, take the temporary hip out, and put the permanent one in. It's in there, but I'm damaged goods. The right hip's damaged goods, and uh, well, man, the fan, no, the fans rallied around you big time when I saw that GoFundMe. Oh, yes, like certain... I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. I cried. I cried a lot. Yeah, man. I mean, and you have to. I cried it, a lot. I'm sure it's hard in your position, you know, from you know having fought since the Couture fight. But you're one of those guys that those figures, those names that when MMA fans hear, they perk up. They love talking about them. You're easily one of like I, I would say one of the most universally beloved figures in the history of mixed martial arts, and you should well, you should never ever forget that at all. And I, I if you say you're, you're you're thinking about a comeback, correct? Well, no, not a fight comeback. <laughs> Right. Well, you should. You should, man. Like you're, 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 yes, you're the, well, the stories I, you're I realize, telling. Like I, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do Instagram. I'm starting to do Twitter. Hell yeah. I'm starting to do Facebook. Oh. I, I did nothing like that. Why don't you have a podcast, man? The stories you could tell would be fucking oh incredible. God. Like, why don't you do well, something like that? It's quite, it's quite possible, but my confidence was just taken. You know, confidence is a key. Absolutely, in anything, in anything. Confidence but confidence is a key to anything, and. My confidence was shaken and shattered by this hip replacement, and then the one that got infected, and then it popped out six times. I was in a bad place. Of course, man. Know? All that shit has to just weigh on you emotionally, and, and not to- uh, even just on top of the physical stuff. But yes, like, well, what- it, it probably led me to, you know, you know, that you know, yeah, I drank too much. I possibly drank too much, but take out the word possibly. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, I drank too much just to deal with my demons and. But, but you, you're so aware. Like when I talk, well, I'm talking to a man right now that sounds so aware of who he is, and it sounds like the one thing that you you know maybe aren't aware of enough is just how much fans appreciate you and everything you've done and the memories you've given me. I, I've been a mixed martial arts fan. Uh, I was born in '89, and my parents, my, my my brother, my dad were ordering all the old fights, and you're one of the original fighters that sticks out in my mind. And if I'm like that, there's thousands, tens of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. Like like that, and I guarantee you, if you did something like a podcast, a video podcast, telling stories about the Pride tournament, UFC 10, UFC 12, um, you would people would love to hear that because you're one of those guys again that people in this community care about hearing from entirely. And I think you well, should you should re- I'd be willing to talk to you about like getting you with the right person because sometimes if it's a confidence thing, having that person that can guide the conversation goes a long way. I think you would yes. do an incredible job. Well, you know, that's that's what it is. The confidence it has, was not there, and now I'm clean. Hell yeah. Uh, I was also taking uh, anti-anxiety pills, and uh, well, I've gotten off those. That's I'm awesome. Weaning, I'm weaning myself off. I'm not totally off them, but... You're doing it the right way. Yes, all, all of a sudden, yeah, you can tell 
it's obvious that my head is clear and you said that I didn't realize I never realized the effect that I have had on people but now that I'm the messages that I'm getting by doing this Twitter and Instagram I've had people say you changed my life and I've had people say you saved my life so now my gosh you know to hear something like that I'm, I'm trying to get you know um getting clean like this has brought back my emotions my emotions were pretty much kind of just dead yeah not right back, right now they're back and, and, and i'm reading this and i do realize wow i have touched you're beloved a lot of right. people across this well, world a lot of people have touched me Well, listen, uh, uh, Mr. Coleman, listen, uh, I've been relatively quiet this whole time. This is actually Taylor. I'm the co-host. You watch, I listen. I know I've been quiet, but... Yeah, no, I... Yeah. Well, just because, I mean, in all honesty, I'm relatively, as far as a fandom in, like, mixed martial arts, I'm relatively new, and I've learned a lot from Dan, and I remember when I first getting in touch with it, you know, you were the main guy that Dan would make me watch, your pride fights, your UFC fights, and I just, I just, I just been taking in all your stories and all your experiences and learning what you've gone through, and it's, it's, it's really, it's really a great story, and the fact that you're willing to share that story with your fans, and go through your trials and tribulations, you know what I mean? Like, it makes you more relatable, and it shows that, you know, you're this larger-than-life figure that fought the likes of Big Nog, Fedor Emelianenko, Mirko Krokop, and you can experience the same things as us normal folk, you know what I mean? And Exactly. Amen. But I also want to say wholeheartedly, like I said, just listening to you talk and going through all your experiences, I, I, I was just in awe, and I say it's an absolute honor, honor to speak to you today, Mr. Coleman, and uh, just wanted to wish you the best. Congratulations on your sobriety. That's not an easy battle, and you're not alone in any of this, so congratulations, pal, and it's an honor yeah, to talk to you today. Don't let your listen. Don't let your yeah, history. Don't. don't let your history be your destiny, man. You got so much in front I, I, of you. I can't because I have to forgive myself for the mistakes and the people I hurt. I, I am remorseful you, and sorry, but at the same time, I have to forgive myself, and I have. And uh, now I'm just gonna I'm gonna 
I'm moving, I'm taking a step forward every day instead of taking a step backwards. I'm Amen. taking a step forward. And, and that's and, the only way you, you can do it. And I, I want to thank you again for taking some time with us. We'd love to talk to you again in the future. We Absolutely. Can t- uh, and again, if you want to talk about, to me any time about setting up some type of video podcast or podcast, I'll, see, I'll shoot yeah. you a message on Twitter. We can talk. But si- sincerely, um, thank you so much for taking some time with us. This was, for me, as a longtime fan, a real, real treat. And it, you, you talk about making people's day or their week. You just made my month, my yeah, year. Real, real talk. This was awesome well, for me. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. I'm just starting to realize the impact I can have on people. And I do want to give back. And it's simply as a guy sending me a, 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 a inbox from Twitter saying, oh, you, you know, you saved my life. I've been very, I was, I've been there's more of them out there, man. There's, there's plenty of them dude, and you'll get uh, a lot more. I'll say, dude, you're, you're, I'm realizing that I'm building my brand. I'm building it back up and I'm Hell yeah. Gonna be, I say, I'm going to be successful so I can take care of my family. But I'll say, dude... <laughs> I say you're only scratching the surface with the people that you're going to reach, especially now in today's climate. You're going to help so many people just sharing your stories and your experiences, and I think that's the route you should definitely go. Because, like I said, you've been there, you've seen it all, and you could just relate to these people. So I, I definitely think you're on the right track, and I, I could not be happier for you for and, everything that you're doing. And, and again, I wanna I wanna thank you again for taking some time with Seriously, us. Seriously, man, thank you so um, much. We'll, I'll I'll hit you up on Twitter, and we'll talk again soon. All right, Mark. Yeah, we didn't finish any stories. We got halfway through every one of them, but I never finished any of them. That's why we're going to have... Don't gonna, worry, we're going to have a part two. We're going to have a part two, man. We're going to make the Mark Coleman Chronicles I, I, on here. I run into that problem all the time. I, I, I start a story, and then I say a name, and I just take a right turn. So, so you you and me, we'll, we'll talk offline soon, and we'll schedule something, and we'll figure out exactly like the way to guide it so we stay on that track. So uh, th- this episode will go up later today. I'll talk to you on Twitter during the week. The uh, hammer is back, baby. On, on Twitter, it's you watch, I listen. My name on Twitter is Jersey Perot, so look out for a message from me, and we'll talk. All right, Mark? Okay, uh, you follow me and then DM me because I tell you what, I can't keep track. Uh, I got you. Yeah, I'll, I'll be persistent, man, and we'll talk, all right? Well, I, I just followed you on Instagram, so I'll do the same. I, I get lost. I get lost right now, but I got to <laughs> hey, I, I take the same attitude I took as becoming a, a, a champion. A Olympian and, and then an MMA champion. I got to take that same approach in life. Hell yeah, dude. So, Mark, we'll talk soon. Thank you again so much, all right? Take care, man. All right, well, I'm going to get off this shitter now. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Enjoy, man. Later. Wow, that was fucking cool, man. That was a lot of fun, man. That was awesome. Um, so, yeah, that was Mark the Hammer yeah. Coleman, UFC Hall of Famer. We almost went an hour with Mark, man. I was that was say. cool. Well, because was... he's got so many different stories, like, and that's the same thing. Bro, that's Taylor, why, why didn't you talk? This brother can talk. I say, like, well, dude, Taylor, talk. why didn't you talk? I, I, I didn't want to interrupt anything because he would <laughs> yeah. go, he would go into twenty minutes about Kevin Randleman, and the next thing you know, we're finding out about, oh, dude, he fought Fedor. Like, it's all this cool, really cool shit. So that's why I, I just try to sit back yeah. and all listen. Right. Yeah, I'm think of all the experience he has. Live on here, will let me set up before we actually go live because. I want to see how the camera looks. Grown up with college wrestling in the 80s, 90s, the Olympics, then right to the UFC, then the Pride, then back to the UFC. That's coming to Hall of Fame. Especially talking about that long, long time. Especially talking about that. You don't have the latest Chrome, Josh. You stink. (laughs) That Don Fry fight, which you're not even joking. Like someone would lose. Like someone like like. Oh yeah, lose your life. The whole commission would be shut the fuck down. That was in Pride when he fought Fry, man, and that was even more. 
he fucking just beat the hell out yeah. of people. So um, this is going to be it for the regular episode. I don't even want. Let's not even do final word because we went two, nah, and a, two yeah, hours and forty minutes. Yeah, um, I just got a text. I got to run back. Down. Yeah, I got to go back. So to work. this was episode forty-seven. You watch. I listen. The only thing I do want to say is there is only one Miggy in baseball, and it's Miguel Cabrera. Miguel anyone, Cabrera. Anyone call him Miguel Andujar? Miggy is a fucking asshole. Good. End game. See Later. you guys next week. We're jumping on our WrestleMania show now. Later. Have fun.